Some of the views and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect or represent the views and opinions of Road Podcast, its hosts, DJ City, or Beat Source. Also, some of the information that was referenced in this episode has been debunked and disproven by science, facts, and peer-reviewed research. We encourage you all to do your own research on these topics from reputable sources. We'd also like to take a moment of silence and send our deepest condolences to the friends and family of the legendary DJ Spinbad. Rest in peace. Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ The Rogue Podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never here. Yo, what's up, y'all? I got DJ D Miles. Yo, what's good? And I got Jamie the Great. Yo, yo, what up, what up? And today we're doing something slightly different, you know, from our usual podcast. We're opening our doors to two guests who recently went at it on Twitter regarding the recent uh, presidential election. But their disagreements aren't limited to just that election. You know, it continues on to a number of issues from the pandemic, mask wearing, uh, misinformation, conspiracy theory, and more. So these two decided they wanted uh, a better form to constructively voice their differing views and opinions. And, you know, although Joe Rogan's podcast was initially a consideration, you know, <laughs> you know, these two finally agreed to lower their standards all the way down, 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 lower way their below. standards. And they settled, they settled for the road podcast. Okay. So, um, I want to introduce our first guest, you know, well-known DJ producer known for his big room EDM remixes, one half of the discotheque. You know, he uh, also signed to DJ AM's Dexter Agency and currently resides in Las Vegas. I'd like to welcome Joe Maz, the infamous Joe Maz. What's up, Joe? How you doing? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this uh, opportunity to talk with you guys and talk with Shecky. Yeah. And uh, you know what? We have our disagreements, but um, my hope today is that we can have these discussions with, uh, with each other and, you know, hopefully find some common ground. Yeah, I, I hope so, too, man. And, uh, I, you know, since you said his name, I'd like to introduce our second guest, co-founder, editor of The Source magazine. If y'all don't know what The Source is, it's basically hip-hop's Rolling Stone magazine. He's a former direct, uh, director of programming for The Win Las Vegas. You know, this dude is responsible for a lot of DJ careers and brokering, like, million-dollar contracts for guys like DJ AM and Mark Ronson, which was unheard of in the 2000s. He's a hip-hop and music historian. He's a Harvard grad. You know, I got to throw in the Harvard grad in there, Shecky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't graduate from Harvard and not flex that you graduated from Harvard. So I'd like to uh, welcome Jonathan Schechter, a.k.a. Shecky Green. We're going to be calling him Shecky the whole episode. So just know him as Shecky Green. Thanks, thanks for uh, coming on, man. Welcome, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for that great intro. I appreciate it, Crooked, and I'm happy to be here to defend the truth and, and just speak about the realities that we're all facing. Yeah. Um, and I'm ready to go. Okay. I'm ready to talk about whatever, whatever, whatever's on the agenda. Let's, let's make it happen. Okay, so before we get into this, I'd like to reemphasize that, you know, Road is not a political podcast. You know, we're not journalists. I mean, all except Shecky, who's, you know, an actual editor for, of a publication, you know. Uh, you know, we've got maybe two to three college graduates in the room. I don't know. You know, who? <laughs> I'm not a college graduate. You I'm know, not. I did one year. <laughs> basically, I graduated college. Basically, Damn. you know, we are, you know, a bunch of working class blue collar motherfuckers. And, you know, we've treated this form 
like a barbershop, you know? Like, what we do is barbershop talk. Do you understand? So I'd like to I'd say the most – what I've wanted this podcast to be is like a bunch of DJs meeting up at a local diner at 5 a.m., eating and conversing after a long shift at the clubs, you know? So th- that's really the energy that we're on. Um, and I'm here to moderate, you know, and uh, ask questions, listen, and hopefully, you know, learn some shit, man. So I want to talk to uh, Joe and Shecky. You know, you guys got into it on Twitter. And, uh, it, you know, that's pretty much where this all kind of stemmed from, right, Twitter. And you guys were talking about the election. And I kind of want to start it off from there because that's where the whole conversation started and the exchange started. Joe, you were posting links, videos, and memes implying that the election was rigged and there was, like, major fraud involved and, uh, you know, from the Democrat side. So, I mean, let's just get into that. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it stems from uh, earlier than that. You know, Shecky and I have had disagreements. It started with COVID long ago. And that's, you know, I I, I came out basically in April saying, um, you know, that I didn't agree with these lockdowns. And I was going to talk about it because things to me didn't really add up. But we could talk about the election. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would rather lead into that with uh, with COVID, but that's OK. I mean, yeah. From an election standpoint, where I'm at right now, I, I do support Donald Trump. I didn't I didn't vote for the guy in 2016. I didn't even like the guy in 2016. Um, yeah, I'll just give you a little bit of my voting history. I grew up in kind of a conservative family. Uh, Catholic Christian family. And, you know, I voted for Bush in 2000. I voted for, for Bush in 2004. Basically because, you know, I, I wasn't really educated on politics at all. I, I had a mild interest in it. I was going to college at the time. And uh, then as 2008 arrived, I voted for Obama because I, I really viewed Obama as something different. And i truly viewed this guy as like the messiah in like 2008. I, I absolutely love the guy. But as I started seeing from him, it, it wasn't really much different from the Bush administration, in my opinion. The things he, he was doing, he was continuing on with the wars. I, I, I saw basically like, for the most part, the same things that the Bush administration had done. After that, I, I became an independent. By the time 2012 rolled around, I became an independent. I didn't think Romney was much different from Obama. I think they're very much the same kind of people in very much the same kind of club. Uh, 2016, I voted for Gary Johnson. I, I was like, I want to see something different. I want to try something different. Very much like the Joe Rogan approach. Like, let's, you know, let's try something different. I wasn't down with the two the two party system. But through this process, particularly with COVID, particularly with with lockdowns, I have decided that I was going to vote for Trump, not necessarily like I'm the biggest Trump supporter, but through this process of COVID and the lockdowns, I I, I looked at what he was saying. and I said, okay, this guy's talking about let's open America. And he doesn't want to do a mandatory vaccine. Those are two big issues for me. He's pro America. He's, you know, trying to bring the jobs back to America He's, he's anti-globalism, and we'll get into that later. We'll discuss that later. But those those three things were the biggest for me. And I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you, but how, yeah. I mean, how anybody could go from supporting Obama to supporting Trump is just 
mind-blowing to me because they are at complete opposite ends of not just the political spectrum, but just the human spectrum. I mean, Trump has proven to be the most disreputable, inept president in our entire history. And in particular, the way that he handled the COVID crisis is abysmal. I mean, it was just the worst possible lack of leadership from the top. And as a result, here we are in this horrible situation with America as one of the worst victims of the COVID crisis in the whole world. And all of it, in my opinion, or the, the majority of it stems from Trump's ineptitude and his lack of leadership at the top. So I just find it shocking, although I know there's a lot of Trump supporters out there and I know half, roughly half the country voted for him. Mm-hmm. But I just find it really surprising that someone could switch from being an Obama supporter to a Trump supporter. And in particular, you know, I want to, you know, you've been tweeting a lot about a lot of things. And you're right. This goes back before the election, um, you know, during the lockdown, you know, the the April, May, June, around that time when you started sort of talking a lot, a lot of potential issues and conflicts and controversies and stuff like that. And, you know, I found that throughout that time, you know, this, what surprised me is that you never mentioned Trump. You know, you, you mentioned a lot of other people. You mentioned, um, you know, Fauci, you mentioned Bill Gates, and you mentioned a whole lot of other people. But it was just painfully obvious to everyone or to, to anyone that really reads the news that the real problem was that we never had a policy from the top on down. And as a result, all these states were left to their own devices to make up their own rules. And look what happened. You know, we're, we're experiencing a third wave of COVID right now. The numbers are worse than they were at the peak of the first wave. So we're, we're in a horrible situation and it doesn't have to be this way. It does not have to be this way. If you look at dozens of other countries are handling it better than us. And I know we're gonna get into that later, I'm sure. But I just wanna make it clear that, you know, in particular with this election, you know, there's a lot of misinformation that you are spreading, that you're propagating, and that is very dangerous. You know, what's happening now with this, you know, bottom line, let's be clear, is like Joe Biden is the president elect of the United States. You know, the refusal of Republicans to acknowledge this and, and refusal of a certain percentage of Americans is poisoning American democracy, in my opinion. And this is the first time in our history that a president has refused to step aside after losing an election. And the results of this and the consequences of, of this are very damaging to America. And, and I think it's important that we all face that and face that we have a sore loser refusing to admit that he lost. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's definitely what triggered this conversation right now, because that's just over the line for me. I mean, you know, the peaceful transfer of power from one administration to the other is the bedrock of our democracy. It's what separates us from third world countries and banana republics and dictators and stuff like that. If you remember when, when Trump won, he was in the White House three days later, sitting next to Obama. Do you remember? And he looked shook as hell. Okay. He looked crazy shook. He was in over his head, but Obama, but Obama did the right thing. He, he brought him in. He shook his hand. He sat next to him. And the same thing, Biden did the exact same thing with, um, you know, Pence, with Mike Pence. He brought him into the office. He shook his hand. He did the right thing. And now here we are four years later, and it's a completely different scenario. And that is really makes me angry as an American. I think it's downright un-American what's happening. 
I think America is about the peaceful transfer of power and this bizarre fraud of a conspiracy theory that's being propagated by a lot of people, including the president of the United States, is proof of his unfitness to hold that office. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I, I, I disagree with you uh, entirely, but, mm. you know, I, I feel like we should rewind a bit, but we can go, we can go down this path. I just feel like we're going to be down it for a while. As far as the peaceful transfer of power, there's two other times in history. I think it was 1800 and 1824 where the presidents did not automatically concede. And the reason they didn't automatically concede is because they saw irregularities. And there's a process for this and we're going through it right now. Yes. How's it, how's it going? How's it going? Because Trump is one and 24. That means one win and 24 losses so far in court as of today. Okay, so that is proof that this is how our system works. We have a judicial branch that is neutral, that's supposed to decide things based on the law. And so far, out of many dozens of cases that the Trump administration and their allies have brought, they are one win, and it's a small win in Pennsylvania, and 24 losses, so 24 out of 25 times, the court has said, no, you have no case. But that, you know, is all you have to look at the individual judges. Oh, they're, come on. They're all, but you are you saying you view judges entirely as completely unbiased? I, I, I think that judges do probably have a bias. But in some, if you look at all the judges all added up together and there's a there's a certain randomness about who gets a case in the whole court system. You know, there's a there's a random draw of some kind. I, I probably works differently in every state. But basically, you can't say that 24 judges that ruled against Trump are biased. I mean, that is just outrageous. It, the bottom line is that they have no case. OK, even if there was some irregularities, it's just a tiny amount like what's happening right now in Nevada, for example, where we both live. I'm not I'm not there right now, but we both live in Las Vegas and there was a recent announcement literally today that one of the districts of Clark County, they found some irregularities. I don't know if you saw that news. I'm sure you did. I know you read a lot. And they're going to re-elect, they're going to re-have re the election all over again for that one district, but they still certified the rest of it. So the point is that the election process is set up to be a bipartisan thing. There are Republicans and Democrats involved in certifying the votes. There are Republicans and Democrats involved in the whole process of the election. And in the end, here we are, you know, it's like a couple weeks after Biden won. Trump still has not conceded. Mitch McConnell still has not congratulated Trump. I mean, excuse me, congratulated Biden. And here we are with these pathetic, you know, frivolous court cases that are that are going nowhere. And basically, it's just inevitable. And honestly, what it is, it's all about drumming up the base. You know, Trump has loyal supporters out there. We all know that. And it's all about posturing so that after he finally does get dragged out of office, kicking and screaming, because he will not be in office on January 21st. I assure you of that. And on the day that he leaves office, all of this negative energy and all of this anger and resentment and just negativity that he's stirring up is just going to be carried over to Trump TV or whatever his next chapter is. And then he's going to have his fans and then that's going to be the end of it. You know, that's where it's going to live until 
until, until the end, basically. Um, I don't think it's going away, but I just think what he's doing to our democracy in this process is shocking and terrible. And as I said, downright un-American. Okay. Well, you spoke. Yeah. Uh, I listened and I appreciate that. And listen, uh, the media doesn't elect the president, though. That's the problem. What we have is Joe Biden elected by the media. We have him standing with a banner behind him saying office of president elect. That doesn't exist. That's fake. He completely contrived that. OK, there how the, the, the presidential election works. And you're you're you know, you talk to me about civics class. So let's talk about how it actually works. So how it works is, yes, there's a vote. But then you there's electors that elect and then you have to certify it. Each secretary of state certifies the election. How many states have certified the results of their individual states yet? Not many. OK, so we're in that process. There's eight states. There's eight battlegrounds that are kind of still up for grabs. They're within one percent. And those are going to determine the election. So there's no president yet. We have the illusion of a president that is propagated by the media. That's what we have right now. And you say, oh, you just should concede. Well, no, you shouldn't concede if obviously there's eight battleground states that are still up for grabs. They're and not. Have, they're not up for grabs. Georgia. Oh, yeah. They're not up, they're not up oh. for grabs because to correct you, and I'll let you finish, but just to correct you, the media did not elect Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. The people elected Joe Biden. Joe Biden got more votes on the popular vote and he got more votes in the Electoral College. Now, you are right that there is a process and that we have to appoint electors and there's a very technical sort of process that happens. And the only thing that I'm worried about is that Trump is going to mess with that process further because he's already signaled his intention to mess with this very free and fair election that happened. And so the last step after all the court cases fail is to try to meddle with that, that, that stage where it's all honestly behind closed doors. And I'm not saying that our system is perfect. I mean, I think we should move to a popular vote, to be honest with you. I think the Electoral College is outdated. But the bottom line is this is the system we have now. And the media, this whole thing about the media elected Biden is, is false. The media just reports the information. And for our, you know, I'm a little older than you, but for our entire life, the media has determined has announced the winner. That's just how it works. Like that's the media is our source, the media being collectively, and we have multiple networks and multiple sources of news, as we all know, that's how our system works. They share and report the information, but they don't choose. And even Fox News, which is obviously the conservative voice, yeah. is making it clear. Now, I know there's some division within Fox News. It's very interesting to watch because there are some people on Fox that are that share my point of view, which mm -hmm. is the truth, that Biden's gonna be the next president. And there are some people that are still clinging on to these conspiracy theories and, and fraudulent ideas. But the bottom line is that it's not the media, it's the people that elect a president. And yes, there are some technical steps still to happen, but there's not gonna be any overturning of the election. It's just not gonna happen. Um. I think you're wrong about that. I think Pennsylvania, there's 700,000 votes that came out of nowhere. And we weren't able to, to have Republicans looking at the ballot counting process. So what do you say? That's been about debunked. That? That's not true. That's that, that, that argument is false. And all the cases in Pennsylvania, except for one, as I said, he won the one case that Trump won. He's, he's won for 24. Okay, the one case that his side won has to do with ballots that were received after election day. 
Okay, so there is one case where some rules were interpreted wrong or whatever it may be. So they ruled for a certain batch of ballots, which I think is like two or 3,000 ballots. I'm not sure of the exact number that came in after election day. So that is the one case he won. But in every other case, and I, I do believe that most of the active cases are still in Pennsylvania. I'm from Philly, so I do care a lot about this. Mm -hmm. But you probably know that the top Republican in the electorate of Pennsylvania is already saying that there's no fraud. There's a guy who's been on 60 Minutes and reported everywhere. He said there's no fraud. The guy yeah. who's the top Republican. Yeah, but so, he's the exact opposite about the 2012 election. He said the exact opposite. If you go back what do you to mean? his Twitter history, indicates that he did care about poll watchers, looking at the history. You, you have to be able to view the ballot counting process. They weren't able to view the ballot counting process. Therefore, it's not legitimate. You got to have people from both sides. You got your camp over here. You got your camp over here. Let's both watch the ballot counting process. They didn't have that. And that's what's going on in Georgia right now with the recount as well. There's videos posted. They got these people 50 feet away with binoculars trying to see like what's going on with the ballots. That's not a valid, you know, uh, poll watching. That's that's it's route for fraud. How can you possibly see what's going on when people are like 50 feet away from a table? You can't. It's a joke. And then you have Dominion voting systems. Are you aware of the Dominion voting systems issue? I'm aware of that stupid conspiracy theory, yes. Why, well, why would it be a conspiracy theory, for example, if Mark Malik, who, who works for Smartmatic, which does apparently like the, the, the processing or whatever for the chips, he, he's, this guy's like affiliated with George Soros. He's on the Open Society Foundation. Would you want to vote on a Trump voting machine? I, you know, uh, probably not, right? That, why is our voting machines controlled by people that are associated with George Soros, Hillary Clinton? You have the Georgia Secretary of State, apparently is affiliated with the Dominion voting system. He's a lobbyist or was affiliated with lobbyists. You have the governor of Georgia, who whose chief of staff was a lobbyist for Dominion voting systems. I mean, okay. this, this on, on, on the subject of Dominion voting systems, all the things you just said, are false, okay? Dominion voting systems is not controlled by George Soros. It's not controlled by Hillary Clinton. It's just another company that's been hired like a bunch of other ones to, to do voting machines. There's no, that, that whole theory started on a QAnon website or a post somewhere. That whole theory is fiction. It's fiction. It got repeated by people like in the media. It got repeated by the president of the United States, unfortunately, and as a result, he breathes huge life into this fiction. Dominion has been, that theory has been fully debunked. There is no conspiracy around Dominion voting systems. That is just false information. No, uh, is Mark Malik, is he the uh, chairman of Smartmatic? Is that- I, I don't know. Theory? No, he is. Is he on the Open Society Foundation, George Soros? Yes, he is. You can look that up. Okay, so that's a conflict of interest. It's a massive conflict of interest. I, I have a question here, uh, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I just got a question actually for both of you guys. Is there a reliable source, like one or two sources that you that you kind of, you know, basically get all the news from that you trust? You know, like Joe, where would you typically get your source of news from that you trust? 
with the, with that's real journalism. Like, for example, I would say a majority of us, I probably watch MSNBC, I watch CNN, uh, I read the Times when I can. You know, what is your source of of um, you know information? What do you get? Me personally, my source is literally all of it. I read all of it. I read MSNBC. I read CNN. I go. I read fucking Breitbart. I read Gateway. I go all over the board. And I, what I try and do is like take all of the information from all these multiple sources with all these different biases mm-hmm. and try and figure out the best possible result. And you know, I, I follow a multitude of uh, Twitter accounts, and. Uh, I got the Mark Malik thing from a, a number of Twitter accounts that were linking directly to uh, the Open Society website, and they were linking directly to the Smartmatic website. What What is and the Open Society website? Well, the Open Society is George Soros Foundation. Okay, okay. That's that's, that's like his main foundation. Open Society. Okay, George. So, let me say this, and I I don't want to accuse you of anything because you know I, I I don't really know where you stand on certain issues, but whenever people mention George Soros, you know that's kind of like a code word for anti-Semitism in a way, because George Soros happens to be a Jewish Holocaust survivor who is a philanthropist and a billionaire, and he has donated billions of dollars to causes ranging all over the, all over the spectrum and, and started many, many companies and done a lot of different things. And when, a lot of times when people say George Soros, like he equals something evil, he's not evil. He's another billionaire, and the, our, our planet has a bunch of billionaires and you don't have to love them. You know, some people are angry at every billionaire. I'm not, you know, I, I think some billionaires are good people. I don't think every billionaire is an evil person. Um, but also you have to be very careful and I'm not accusing you of anything because I don't know how you really fall on this. But I, what I do want to say about Crooked's questions, I think it's very relevant, is that I believe that the issue here, Joe, is that you may not be able to distinguish between reputable sources of information and disreputable sources of information. I think like having been a journalist and, and, you know, understanding that journalism is hard work. Like it's not easy to get to the truth of anything. Okay. It's, you have to talk to a lot of people. And by the time a story ends up in like the New York times, it has passed through like dozens of people. You know, it's not just like a guy sitting behind a computer writing. It's a reporter and then his editor and then the top editor and fact checkers and proofreaders. And mm-hmm. there's, there's like dozens of people that process every article that appears in the New York Times. Whereas on a lot of these blogs that are written by like one guy, they can just say whatever they want and just put it out there. And those two things are not equal. Now, I'm not saying that every conservative pr- publication is wrong because there's not. There's a, I, I read a lot of conservative things too. I, I just like you, I try to look at all sides of an issue, but I do think in your case that you are allowing one crackpot, you know, one guy to, to infiltrate your circle of information and then unfortunately get the advantage over the journalistic process, the journalistic process of fact checking and reporting and talking to people on different sides of an issue. It's not easy. It's hard work. But in the end, that's how you arrive at the truth. And it's important that we distinguish between good and bad sources of information. I don't always agree with the New York Times. I don't always agree with Fox News. But in both cases, they have journalists that do that, that do the work, you know, in some cases, when someone tweets something, it just doesn't make it true just because it's on Twitter. Well, like I said, 
if you tweet a link directly to the Open Society Foundation and it says Mark Malik is on the Open Society Foundation, and you tweet a link directly to Smartmatic Voting, and he there he is as the chairman or whatever position he is, that is indisputable evidence that there's a conflict of interest. There's no okay. New York Times to tell you that. Okay, I haven't I have not looked into this exact issue, but let me just ask, like, assuming that what you're saying is true, why does that mean that there's a conspiracy on the voting machines? I mean, it just doesn't it, it doesn't follow. I, even if what you're saying is fully true, which I have not looked into, okay, why does that mean that millions and millions of votes shouldn't count? Because one guy is on a board of one organization or another. What does it have to do with the voting process? Uh, it doesn't really, I don't well, see I voted, the connection. I, I voted on a Dominion voting machine. So? Would you vote on a Jared Kushner voting machine? Let's just start with that. That's a good question, right? If Jared Kushner was on the board of directors of a company that ran voting machines, I wouldn't even, I would vote in whatever voting machine is in the polling place. I mean, like everybody does. Well, let me ask you, know? you this. Let me ask you this. So you're fully aware of like the, the Bush Gore thing in 2000, right? Yes. Now, there was somebody that testified from Diebold Systems. You ever heard of Diebold Systems? Yes. Okay. Dominion bought that. Dominion bought that. Okay. This is all, this is all the same family. Is this that is the hanging chads in the Florida, the whole Florida controversy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Dominion, so, there was somebody that testified that, that worked for Diebold Systems. And you could look up the testimony and the guy's talking about like he was hired by a certain congressman. I believe it was in Florida. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jamie, you're our fact checker. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on it, baby. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> you know, I just want to say that I'm glad that we can say like, you know, Jamie, look it up. It's just like Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that's the closest we're going to get to Rogan. <laughs> He's been real no, quiet so far. No, I'm checking the, I'm checking all this shit. So you don't worry about it. I got my notes on my right. Got the internet right here. We good. Go ahead. No, so so this guy testified that he was hired by a certain congressman to basically write an algorithm, write a program for Diebold systems so that it was undetectable. He could rig the voting system. He can delete votes. He can change votes. And this is what's going on with Dominion as well. Sidney Powell, that's Trump's lawyer, has people military intelligence that witnessed this being done with Dominion voting systems. And it's they, gonna... I saw that interview where that, that female lawyer I know you're talking about, and yeah. all of that's going to add up to zero, okay? They've, they've been saying for weeks now that right around the corner, there's about to be this big batch of evidence that proves all this fraud. Just like all of these things, when it comes to these conspiracy theories, there's always a lot of talk and then no action, okay? Like the Hunter Biden laptop. It's gonna blow your mind, it's gonna change the world. It didn't, okay? It didn't. It's just that all the same people that were talking about Hunter Biden's laptop are now talking about Dominion voting systems because this is the controversy du jour, you know, the conspiracy of the day, basically. And, and all of this is just obfuscating, meaning deflecting away from the truth. The truth is that Biden won fair and square, okay? Biden won just like Trump won last time, okay? It sucks. A lot of Democrats screamed about a Russian hoax and this and that, but in the end, they, the, the, they came out and said that, the, that Russians didn't interfere to the extent, I think Russians did some things, but they didn't really interfere with the actual votes to the extent that it would have changed the election. So mm -hmm. all the Democrats had to swallow that bitter pill and accept that more people you know, electoral, electorally speaking, of course, he did lose the popular vote, but 
electoral college speaking, right. Trump won last time and we accepted it and it sucked for Democrats. And we had to put up with four years of this nonsense and the lies and, and all the other corruption that Trump brought to the table. And I, I mean, we didn't, we can get into that. I mean, Trump has been, in my opinion, the worst president of all time. And he is profoundly unfit to hold that office. And I cannot wait until a sane, rational person takes control of the White House, which is going to happen on January 20th when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are sworn in. And, and until that time, we're still on very shaky ground. We got another month or two of anything can happen. Anything can crazy. He might start a war. He might set off a nuclear bomb. I mean, yeah. who knows what's going to happen? But Whoa. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying he's going to pull out every stop. And all of it, in my opinion, is because of his ego. And he's a little crybaby and a sore loser. And he basically can't admit that he lost. He can't admit that he lost. I mean, look, we all like we all lose sometimes. You just got to man up and admit like, OK, you got me. You won on that one. And this is not what happened. Hey, Joe, can I interrupt really quick? Yeah. Uh, Jamie, did you? Ha- I, I just want to ask one question really quick. Ahead, I, I want to go Kurt. back to Trump uh, and I want to talk about that. But I wanted to ask you, at, at what point did you start doing all of this research? When did the news that was supplied to you not enough? Was there a turning point where you felt like you were being lied to? Like, you know, like you, you felt like, you know, the news was being deceitful. Like, I want to know what, what happened that made you want to d- a deep dive into all of these, these links and, and to check all sides and do everything, you know? Because to me, it sounds exhausting. You know what it I'm is. saying? It, it, it's and, fucking and to, awesome, bro. Yeah, and, I, and I'm wondering, what is this? Like, you're saying it's exhausting. Do you enjoy the process? Like, you know, what is wh- Where did you want to become this, like, where did the, the crusade for truth, in, in your opinion, right? When did that start? When, when did it? It sounds a little bit like an obsession. That's why. I and mean, I, it surely it is. But, you know, yeah. I, I can tell that, that Shecky does a lot of his research, albeit, you know, he's got his own biases. But obviously, he probably he has a very strong passion for it. And here we are today. Yeah. But you know, I, I've always had a passion for, for, for information. And, and, and as far as Trump. I didn't vote for him in 2016. Yeah. I voted Gary Johnson. I wanted a third party candidate. I wanted something different. You know, I, and, and I align with, uh, with both sides, really. I'm anti-war. I think marijuana should be legal. I, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, I believe that if you love somebody, fucking marry him. Whoever, you know, mm-hmm. gay, straight, whatever. Like, um, I guess I, I could say I'm fiscally conservative. I think our debt's out of control. But look, when it comes to Trump, my initial uh, view of Trump when he decided he was going to run was like, I didn't like the guy. I, I thought he was annoying. I, I thought like, you know, he, he didn't speak well. Right. He didn't speak well. He's not polished. Obama is like a charmer. Obama's like. Smooth motherfucker. He'll like, he'll put you in a trance because like he speaks really well. Mm hmm. I mean, the guy's polished. You know what I mean? Trump didn't have that. But, you know, it, as time went on, I started to think more about it. I'm like, maybe I don't want somebody's polished. Maybe I want somebody that's that's for the people. Maybe that is not rehearsed. It's reading from a teleprompter. Trump reads from a teleprompter. But it's somebody that's like outside the system. OK, because like the, these guys, most of them are, 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 
products of a system. Sure. So I'll tell you, like when, when I started to think differently about Trump was when I saw like vicious attacks on a daily basis where it's like every day you wake up and it, you go into your Apple News and it's like nonstop Trump this, Trump that. What's he saying? And it's particularly with the Russia investigation. And, you know, Shecky, I saw you tweet about that for, for, for a while. And you were, I mean, you were even talking about like the P tape and all that stuff and that dossier. And that's where I started to really question the New York Times, for example. It's like they're talking about this dossier that's completely fake. Every aspect of that dossier was completely fake. The hookers in Russia, the P tape, you know, the, the consulate in Miami, that doesn't even exist. It didn't even exist at the time. That, that, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, I think that dossier was, had a lot of things that were proven out to be true in that dossier. Um, but moving back to the subject, you should have trusted your original instincts because Trump is not the person. He's one of the worst people in America, not someone that we want to put in the White House. I mean, the guy's history. I mean, I lived in New York City for 20 years during his prime, you know, and it is true because I'm, as you guys all know, I'm hip hop guy, you know, I was involved in the hip hop world. A lot of, a lot of rappers looked up to Trump back in the nineties, you know, a lot of rappers would write, would rhyme about him. They would talk about him, but it was because he was the image of a successful rich guy who kind of like rode around in limos and owned buildings and did whatever he wanted. And, you yeah. know, he kind of had that image. So there are endless references to Trump in hip hop and it's kind of funny, but what really happens is that he was broke, he was bankrupt, he was corrupt, yeah. he lied, he, he ripped off his um, employees and, and, and contractors who did work for him in his buildings and then never paid people and all these things. And then Mark Burnett came to him with the idea of doing The Apprentice. And in the Hollywood writer's room, they cooked up this vision of Trump as this super powerful boss that controls things and gets what he wants and all that. And basically, that fiction is the reason why Trump got elected, in my opinion. The reason Trump became president is because enough people believed that Hollywood fake vision that Mark Burnett and the people at that TV show cooked up that made Trump seem like an all-powerful boss and a, and a mega successful guy. When in fact, if you look it up, he was bankrupt a couple times before that show even happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had many, many court cases ruled against him, many other controversies, and he just wasn't a great person. Now, I will also say that I'm a Howard Stern fan, okay? And like Trump over throughout the 90s and 2000s used to be on Stern all the time. I used to actually mm -hmm. enjoy him as a guest because he was funny. Trump is funny, okay? Trump has a sense of humor sometimes, and he can be funny. He can make people laugh because of his frank talk, of his very locker room style of talk, you know? Sometimes that can be funny, and I get that, you know? But in the end, that is not who you want as a president. That is someone that can be an entertainer, that can be a media guy or whatever, a host of a TV show, fine, but not the president. And now here we are, and we should probably move the conversation back to some more topics that are, you know, affecting the DJ community, as you, as you said, because I agree that that's, a, that's the right approach. But particularly with COVID, and this is the part that, that where the, the disconnect I don't really get is how can you look at Trump's record since COVID started and say that he did a good job and that's the reason why you now support him? Like that part, please explain how Trump's record on COVID makes you want to support him. 
Well, it's going to require going to more deal t- detail about COVID, but if you want to just kind of look at it on the surface, you know, it started back in January, COVID, right? And his first response, for example, like I think it was January 30th, was to shut down travel from China. What was Joe Biden's response? Joe Biden's response was to say that's xenophobic. Why, why are you doing that? Okay. Joe Biden so, wasn't in office. Trump was the president. Joe Biden was sitting with no elected office. So what's the, well, he was just- a, I mean, the contrast is relevant to this discussion because you have what you call the president elect saying, why'd you do that? Well, obviously it was the right decision to do that. You know, why, of course that would be a natural thing to do is shut down travel from China where we're told that the virus is coming from. Okay, you know, if you move on, then Trump shut down travel from Europe and Biden had much the same response, you know, saying that it was the wrong thing to do, shutting, shutting down travel from Europe. Well, Cuomo talks about like, Okay, it's not the China virus or whatever, and you can have your opinions on that qualification. I don't agree with Trump saying calling it the China virus. I don't agree with calling the Spanish flu the Spanish flu because the truth about the Spanish flu is that it didn't come from Spain. But whatever, that aside, he said that was the wrong thing to do. Well, obviously it was the right thing to do to shut down travel from Europe. Joe Biden, as late as February 28th, said the coronavirus is nothing to be worried about. I think, I think Trump's response has been primarily to look at Fauci and say, all right, what should we do? And he, he followed Fauci's advice. So what else is the man supposed to do? If he's not following the experts, they're going to say, well, you're not following the experts, you're not following the science. Not only did he not do enough, he did negative things, okay? For example, and I have some notes too, on February 27th, he said, it's going to just disappear. Remember when he said that? It's just going to be a miracle. It'll just disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, he said multiple times that, that 99% of COVID cases are totally harmless. You got nothing to worry about. It's totally harmless. He said that the U.S. has among the lowest case fatality rates of any major country anywhere in the world. That's completely false. He said multiple times what happens is you get better after being sick with covid you know that's what happens you get better it's no big deal now granted a lot of people do get better the majority of people do recover no one's denying that no one everyone knows that that is true the majority of people do recover from covid but in the end what he's saying is lie after lie that has only not just he just hasn't just mismanagement mismanaged it He's made it much worse. He spread misinformation about masks. He spread misinformation about the effects of the disease. He's done hundreds of things that have made it worse for us. And most of all, as I said before, his lack of a coherent policy from the top down has been the main problem. The biggest problem is he should have just said, here's the deal. We're going to shut down the country from here to here, or we're not going to shut it down, or masks. Here's the rule about masks. But he did none of that because he was too scared to offend his people and he's too scared to make a tough decision. It's not going to obviously it's going to make people unhappy, just like the governor of Nevada right now. He's a Democrat, but everyone's mad at him. Democrats are mad at him. Republicans are mad at him because it's a, you're in a tough spot. You can, you're going to make people angry no matter what you say. Mm-hmm. But the point is that he has not only failed to manage it, manage it properly, he has mismanaged it and spread lies. And even when he got COVID, I mean, there's been more COVID in the White House than there has been in about 15 countries. I mean, it's insane. 
More people in the White House have got COVID than like 15 countries like Taiwan, where I am right now, Vietnam, you know, a lot of other places have had zero cases for like months. I mean, it's ridiculous how badly he managed this. So I just don't see the, the leap to finding some good thing to say about it. Yes, he stuck... He made a call to shut down some airplanes coming from China. Big whoop. Anyone would have done that. I mean, that's the easy stuff. Like, what about the stuff in this country? What about the stuff in America that mattered? You know, he didn't do anything. Well, the thing about America is that we operate differently than most other countries. We're a, a, a country of 50 states where there's a constitution and each state has their own individual powers. And you can't issue a mandate on every single state. You just can't, you know, and even Biden talks about issuing a mandate on the vaccine and issuing a mandate on mass. The way our constitution works is that you can issue that dictate, but it's up to the states to decide ultimately. And I don't think certain states would. So what's he supposed to do? And then they call him a dictator if he does some, some something like that anyways. But I would like to rewind and, you know, we can button this back up at the end with the Trump and all that stuff, because I feel like we're getting like so far into politics and I wanted to talk about like how this relates to DJs and we can, we'll bring it back to that. But um, just to, let's start with the lockdowns if we can. I mean, I, the reason I wanted to come on today was because lockdowns, I feel like are affecting DJs more than anything, not only DJs, but GMs, industry people, restaurants, people that are in our service industry. And, um, I get hit up by people all the time since I started talking about this stuff because there's, yes, the people are dying from COVID, but there's also people that are getting really harmed by the lockdowns. I got people that are selling their houses, getting out of the industry, people that are, they're very damaged by the lockdowns. People that are thinking about suicide. I have two friends that committed suicide in the industry. So there's like multiple aspects to this whole thing. And that's my primary reason for speaking you know, what you guys would consider alternatively about the facts and the evidence and the science. But I think lockdowns are the, are the main issue. Would you guys agree? Well, just to interrupt, you know, yeah. I feel like, you know, when the lockdowns happen, it's, it's up to the government to, you know, send some type of aid and support to any business that's out there that's in a lockdown. Right. And really the amount of aid that working people got, I mean, you know, some people got unemployment, but you know, really everyone just got $1,200, you know, and then there was these billion dollar corporations that got all of this funding, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't know much about politics, but you know, Trump was in charge of that. And, you know, and if you're talking about how he handled the pandemic, that's probably the worst thing that he did was that if you're going to, if you're going to institute lockdowns and stuff like that, you got to at least help some of these businesses and aid them. And ultimately, it's not showing up. You know, there was. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I, I want to be clear on that too because I nobody wanted this to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Democrat, whatever. But I, who the hell wants to be sitting at home not working? I mean, I have my current company, my current business is Playback Prodigy, which is a background music company. We provide music for most of the major casinos um, in the whole country, and especially in Vegas, mm -hmm. and. My, my income went to zero just like everyone else, okay? Like, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat as all the DJs, just like all, like you said, all the GMs, all the bartenders, anyone, just like all the live performers, musicians, 
touring professionals, you know, venues, like everybody that is in this entertainment space all suffered from the same exact thing. So I'm on the same page on that, okay? Nobody wants this. Nobody wanted to be locked at home, unable to go outside. But the other thing you have to say to yourself is we have to, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid, you know? We have to endure the pain because this virus is not sleeping. This virus is up 24 hours a day. You know, it can infect people. There are super spreader events and there's tons of evidence about super spreader events, mm -hmm. especially indoors, especially when a lot of people are drinking because they're talking and they're spitting and they're singing and they're all these, you know, all the things that why a virus spreads, you know, which is basically people's spit circulating in the air, you know, and, and basically, you know, like, None of us wanted this shit. And so here we are, you know, but you have to face the reality of like, we have to swallow the hard pill now in order to have a, to return to normal. All of us want to return to normal, all of us. But it's just like to get to normal, we have to go through the tough part first. And the tough part is unfortunately the shutting down of these venues. Now, some very respected high level people I know early on in the entertainment industry, guys who run some of the biggest clubs in America, I spoke to them and they were like, yep, we basically are assuming that this is back in like April. They mm -hmm. were like, we're done for the year. Like they already knew that this isn't, this ain't going to end anytime soon. So they basically like, we're setting our sights on 2021 summer of 2021. And that was kind of where the, the smart money, if you will, the, the people that are really like the seasoned professionals and it sucks for every other person who works in a club, every DJ and et cetera, because that's the reality is it's, that's probably when we're going to go back to normal. It won't be until next summer, you know, and like, it sucks, but like, we like, we can't put finances ahead of lives. Like that's the bottom line for this whole thing. It's like, you have to make a choice. What's more important, my personal pocketbook or someone's life. Now, granted, I know that those things, some people are living check to check. Some people have no money at all. Some people are totally broke. I get it. And I agree with what Crooked said. And the smartest thing I heard out of Manushkin's mouth ever was he said a couple of months ago on CNBC that they were going to have a new PPP focused specifically on the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. Now, that unfortunately has not happened, but that would have been the best move. Look at the target, the exact sectors, which is travel, hospitality, entertainment, the things that have been most dramatically affected, and create a solution to give those people some help because that is where it's needed the most so the answer is that that would have been leadership if they had gotten that done that would have been great leadership but they didn't they didn't get that done now you can argue that's the democrats blah 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 da, da, da. but you know in the end all that happened was trump mailed out a 1200 dollars check they did have the ppp but trump made sure to sign his name real big on that 1200 dollars check so people thought it was you know coming from him personally but also Another. with the also with the PPP loans, you know, it, it helped for a few months, and then uh, a lot of these companies got the PPP loans, and they did a bunch of layoffs, you know, and it, and and a lot of that money was intended for wages, you know what I'm saying? So there was a lot of uh, ugliness going on. But I, I want to get back to you know, Joe. I want to get back to what what do you want? What do you think is do you want everyone should have the freedom to work, and a you know. It, everything should be open and we should all decide our own fates. Is that what you want? My 
opinion is that lockdowns are are not the way to go. Mm-hmm. They're not effective. The data indicates that they're not effective. You can look at the UK, they locked down like crazy. Italy, they locked down like crazy. And it didn't it didn't mean anything. They're back in lockdown. And it, it doesn't make any sense. And um, if you look, if you guys heard of the Great Barrington Declaration, this is a group of scientists from all over the world that have a website set up. They talk about what their response is. So it's 630 citizens that have signed this across the world, 12,000 medical and public health scientists, 35,000 medical practitioners. And if you read their declaration, it says, coming from both the left and the right around the world, we have devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come with the working class and young, younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. They're basically saying we should protect the vulnerable, but we should live our lives, in essence, if you read the whole thing. And that's what I think we should do. You don't, you don't agree with lockdowns, right? So the key of lockdowns is to contain the virus, right? That's what they say. I, yeah, so we, we contain the virus. In the meantime, you know, Trump's administration has to get all the states on board. He can't create, like you said, a mandate to control each individual state. But there's got to be a clear message across the whole country on how we can unify and defeat this together. And there wasn't anything like that. And this is really when a president needs to step up. That's right. Unify everybody and say, hey, all of you states, we've got to get on board. And this and the is way the to message. do that. The yeah. way to do that would have been very simple. Masks. OK, now that's that's the topic that we should address. But the, because but, masks, yeah. masks are the most direct way to control the virus. And there is tons of evidence to support that. In the places that have a mask mandate, the virus is much lower than the places that don't. And the places that have a mask mandate combined with other things like contact tracing and quarantine, and in particular, the use of technology and data in a productive way, mm-hmm. those places have zero COVID cases, okay? So the, the biggest issue, it is such a shame that the mask issue has become this political issue. It is ridiculous, okay? It is pure selfishness. I mean, can you imagine like how fragile and privileged your life must be if wearing a mask is the most oppressed you've ever been? Oh, my freedom is getting taken away because I have to wear a mask. I mean, come on, that is ridiculous. Anyone wear a mask. It's the simplest thing you can do. It protects other people and it protects you. And the latest data shows that it protects you also. And in the beginning, there was some confusion. Now, part of this is because Trump had a stranglehold on the information coming out of the CDC. The CDC was not, which used to be the Center for Disease Control, which used to be the world's authority on infectious disease, was basically silent for the first like four or five months of this pandemic. And that is because Trump didn't like the information. He didn't like what was coming out of Trump and his people. I don't know if it was him personally, but his administration didn't like the information. So instead, we got very dribs and drabs of conflicting news and Yes, mass, no mass, this and that. The, the proof, the, the science has never been in doubt. Masks help. Masks help a lot. And they make 
everyone safer and they make the planet and the, and the community and the, and the country and the state much safer. So it's like that is the simplest thing he could have done. If he wore a mask the same way that Biden wears a mask and everyone else who has a sense of, of, of decency and concern for their fellow man, I mean, making the mask issue into this political issue where it's like, you're taking away my freedom because you're making me wear a mask is absolutely ridiculous. Well, I guess my response to that would be, uh, why, if the mask is so effective, did the World Health Organization, the CDC, the Surgeon General, Fauci, Mike Osterholm, just about every person of authority say that masks were totally ineffective. In the beginning. In the beginning, right? In the beginning. Well, they said the that reason, in the beginning, right? Right. In yeah. the beginning. Now, the reason I I was shocked when that came out. Now, I, I know that in the beginning, Fauci said some things that about masks that didn't make sense to me. He later said that that was because they needed to save the masks for the medical people. Right. Remember, mm-hmm. that was the reason he gave. Now, to be honest, I didn't buy that excuse. I think he was forced to say certain things because of Trump. I mean, I don't know the truth, but the truth is that. Fauci did say some things that didn't make sense about the masks. And, and that was that got that struck me as very strange because it seems obvious. I mean, you walk into any hospital and every doctor is wearing a mask. I mean, it's just like it's just common sense, like a mask is going to protect you and it's going to protect other people. It's like it's obvious. It's common sense. It's also science. So, yes, some countries that have a mask have still have covid cases because maybe not enough people wore the mask. Maybe the disease is so contagious that it gets around anyway. But the point is that let's, let's take, for example, what's happening in America right now. And I wanted to bring up an example because if you look at, you know, um, let me just find my notes here, but if you look at what's happening in some of these states, it's absolutely terrifying. Right now, we have about 240,000 deaths in America from COVID and 18 of the 50 worst COVID spots in the world are in America. And number one and number three are North Dakota and South Dakota. So North Dakota is the number one worst spot for COVID on the entire planet Earth. Now, North Dakota also happened to have the lowest mask wearing rate in the United States, according to surveys that were done. So basically, North Dakota is way beyond just hit hard. It is the number one COVID mortality. I'm talking about people that have died from COVID in the entire world. South Dakota... Chicago, Wisconsin, and Montana are not far behind. And basically, all of this is reflecting older cases from like a few weeks ago. So now, this surge that we're seeing right now, like as we're recording this podcast, if you look at all the charts, it's like up, up, up like this. That means that in December and in January, we're going to have even a bigger surge of deaths, unfortunately, from COVID because people just still... You know, some people, you see a lot of people wearing masks and, and, and all the people that do you can keep doing it. You're doing the right thing. But the people that don't, you're endangering yourself and you're endangering others. And it's 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 selfish. It's Joe, straight selfish. Joe, do you, you wear a mask, though, right? You just you just traveled. You were just on a plane. You DJed in Florida. Am I right? I uh, th- well, I you know, since this all started, I've DJed like. I think four or five times out of out of like like out of town, right? Where you had to fly somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah where I fly somewhere. Yeah. I, listen, I wear a mask on a plane. You yeah. have to. Right? I wear a mask when you when I go into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to make a scene out of that. 
But uh, listen, so you, I think wait. So so you believe in the science of masks? You know it, it helps prevent the spread, right? You do believe well, that? I listen to the experts, and can right. I can I show you a, a clip? Well, no, 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 no. I like. Well, I mean, can you summarize the clip? You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, you guys got to hear it for yourself. You got to hear it for yourself. <laughs> listen, well, come on. Well, like, so check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Wait, 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 Joe, hey, Joe, yeah. can, can you please, I, I don't want this to be just an information war. Do you understand what I mean? I want you to insert some of your logic, your rationale, your opinions into everything and not just force feed everyone information because to be honest, it, 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 that's honestly where you lose me a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? I want to hear from your mouth exactly. Yeah. I'm asking you, the, the masks help. You know, and you're wearing the masks. You believe in the science behind the masks, of course. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what is the argument about everyone wearing masks? What what are you disagreeing with? So, you know, Fauci and everyone fucked up in the beginning and then they retracted their statement. They said everyone wear masks. So now we're all on board to wear masks. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't think we are. I don't think we are. And so you know, wait, what do you mean? We, you don't think we are? Well, for example, we're just asserting, you know, Shecky, for example, he just says, well, masks work. The science says it. Well, I can show you the science if you show me the clip, you know, allow me to show you the science. I can show you studies right from the CDC website, NIH website, New England Journal of Medicine website, where the science says it has no effect. I can show you 164 doctors in an interview from across the world saying not only does it have no effect, it actually causes problems, which is actually what Fauci alluded to in that 60 Minutes interview on March 8th, he talks about you're, ta- you're touching the mask, you're touching the mask. The, the size of the a virus particle is like one micron for starters, right? That, that's the size of a virus. It's, mm-hmm. it's minuscule. The gaps between a cloth mask are gigantic. Like it's going to go through there. Like there's no science to support locking a, one mi- a 0.1 micron going through, uh, you know, a point whatever. It doesn't work. Okay. No, well, well, you're saying, Biden, yeah, good, good. I'm sorry. Biden's advisor, this guy, Michael Osterholm. Okay. He's on his COVID task force. Now this guy was on Rogan early on in this. Maybe you guys caught that episode. It was like, this guy kind of set the tone for, for coronavirus in the United States. He was warning people like there'd be 48 million hospitalizations. There's only 500,000, by the way, he was, and in the same interview, he was asked by Rogan, Rogan's like, uh, you know what? I see people walking around with gloves on and masks on. He's like, are they effective? And his answer was largely no. And he goes further in that in an interview on June 12th, where he's, he's talking about like, in summary, he says, you know, there's been studies uh, that were done on the Spanish flu uh, that masks weren't effective. He's like, and you know what? You know, what's interesting is if you look at where this virus originated, it was in Wuhan, China. They've had a culture of wearing masks, you know, basically since SARS, right? 2003. That's right. Okay. So he taught, he, this is, you know, verbatim or whatever you can, I can send you the clip. He's like, you know, it's interesting that these people are like, uh, used to wearing masks all the time and it made no effect. It didn't do anything. It didn't stop anything. It spread. And he's like, and he says, I'll just, I'll finish on this note with a mask. He, He finishes this June 12th interview with the university of Minnesota by saying, If you want to wear the mask, fine, but just know it has no effect on this pandemic. He says this. This is Biden's like lead advisor on coronavirus. So, you know, 
The science I, is there. I, I think it's. I think that you can pull up a study. I, I've. I'm not familiar with that particular interview or and so forth. But I think there. I know for a fact that there are endless studies that prove that masks work and they reduce the spread of the virus. It's very. It's common sense. I mean, it's. It's absolutely common sense that a mask is going to help reduce the spread, and it's also science. And you know, you're right about it being a very small, and the process is called filtration, and the material's ability to trap particles mm -hmm. is what we measure. That's why the N95 masks are the most effective because their material can filter like apparently 95% of the particles that 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 might hit you. Um, but basically. A study, for example, that I was looking at yesterday found that um, recently from a month ago found that weekly increases in mortality were four times lower in places where masks were the norm or recommended by the government compared with other regions. The researchers looked at 200 countries which adopted mask use in January and as of May had recorded no deaths related to COVID-19. Another study looked at the effects of U.S. state government mandates for mask use and those reduced the growth of COVID cases by two or three percentage points per day. And they said that mandates might have averted as many as 450,000 cases, potentially if they had come down early and said, everyone wear a mask, we could have had basically half a million less people catching COVID than, than have caught it. So, you know, this data, the data is clear to me. I mean, people I mean may have said, Go ahead. I mean, the the whole thing is I've I've talked on my speakerphone all the time. You know, like I've I've done calls all day just working on speakerphone, and I've looked at my phone at the end of the day, and there's just spit particles everywhere on it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. spit. Like when I talk to motherfuckers like close to me or whatever, I'm spitting on them all the time. And the thing <laughs> is, when I look at my mask, it smells like spit. It smells like old yeah. ass spit. When you look, when you yeah. so you to tell me that a mask is not going to help that shit and 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 contain some of those those droplets and particles that would have otherwise escaped and into the air. And if Neva is across from me, he's wearing a mask and I'm wearing a mask. You know, as much as you may question the effectiveness. It's there's still it's still helping, and the the one the one thing this is the one thing I want to say is that the way you've been speaking about this COVID thing, you know, you seem very detached from it. Oh, and no, my my wife had it. Oh man, sorry to hear that, buddy. No, it's it, you know she was very sick for a while, and I think the the most distinctive feature of COVID is the mm -hmm. loss of taste and smell. Yeah, I don't know if any of you guys have had it or if you've had friends that had it, but family. Yeah, unfortunately, never. You know, his father passed early in or around February. It was like an early case. It wasn't even um, confirmed that he had it, but he had all the symptoms. And the doctors, they didn't even know what was going on at the time. They couldn't figure out. And it was so aggressive, right? It, it was just in yeah, a span just, of two weeks. Exactly. Yeah, just rapidly. It just happened. Wow, that's and, terrible. And I just think you know to say that masks don't work. And to advertise that and to just confuse people and to let and, and just throw that out there just because of speculation. When you're on Twitter and you're sending all this shit out and then there's people that, you know, who are experiencing this loss and you're yeah. treating it kind of insensitively to me on Twitter. And yeah. I think like we, we've been talking about Trump, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like you even said, he's he's not a very eloquent speaker, you know?
Yeah. And at a time when everyone was lost, no one knew about COVID. It wasn't even clear what information. We were, we were like, we're shutting down. What do we do? You know, like, do we get masks? There was, there was all types of misinformation going on there. And what I'm trying to say is that we all need to be responsible about how we speak on Twitter. But because we have someone like Trump who's just mouthing off and just saying whatever the fuck he feels and telling people to use bleach and everything, everyone is using him as a standard to how they can speak on Twitter. And I'm saying at some point, you may not know this uh, unconsciously, Joe, and I'm, I don't think you're a bad dude, but I think some of the things that you say on Twitter really just gets, it's really insensitive sometimes, and it may not be appropriate. And I think it hits people the wrong way, and then they react kind of viciously towards you. Yeah, and you might sure. just be like, I'm yeah. spreading information, but you're not realizing that you're hurting a lot of people. Like, a lot of people are hurt. And, right. And, and, you ha- and you have to be you have to be responsible about the information and the things that you say on Twitter. And also, and, and also take responsibility for the fact that you're causing potential pain to a bunch of people, you know, in, 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 in our DJ community. You know what I'm and saying? Also, and also, you understand, like, you have a power of a voice and an influence. So whatever you say, everybody kind of holds it in a high regard. So you got to understand the power of your voice on Twitter because there's days, bro, and I follow you and I have nothing against you, but there's days that you just jabbing motherfuckers on their throat about people not wearing masks. Where's the mask? Where's this? And I'm like, yo, Joe, like, <laughs> like this is a little bit too much, my guy. Like, it's it gets overly, like... You just and to me, I don't have no deaths in my family, but I can see why somebody would just turn around and be like, "Yo, fuck you, you insensitive fuck! You're not paying attention to people that actually lost people close to them." You know what I'm saying? So that's why you gotta understand the power of your voice and the influence you have to a lot of DJs. A lot of DJs look up to you for your remixes and want to be like you, and you put a one like you gotta understand how powerful your tweets are. I understand that, but 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 I want you guys to think about things in a different light if you can for at least a moment mm-hmm. and you got to understand where i'm coming from when i say you know michael osterholm is not no joke this guy's been in the game for 30 40 years as like one of the leading epidemiologists so did he just wake up yesterday he's talking about masks are completely ineffective this is biden's lead covid task force advisor and not only that, but there's a lot of people that say mass might cause you problems. Think about it. Yeah. So let's just, you know, it's hard to envision or uh, understand that, right? But think about like if you have a, 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 a cloth mask that you're wearing every day, 30 days in a row, you don't wash that fucking thing ever. The bacteria that accumulates in there, there's been a study like, Fauci's the lead author on a 2008 study. He's looking at the, the 1918 Spanish flu. And the, what the study found was more people died from bacterial pneumonia than they died of, of Spanish flu. Yeah, My dad. Who, who's wearing a mask for 30 days straight? Like, no one's wearing a no, mask. No, there's for 30 some days people days. out there. Then that's that a, that's a, that's they a, that's a, that's out. They don't change it. They don't clean it. I understand, you know? Joe. That's a misinfo. That's really just that motherfuckers are not educated. If they're, if they're, that's wearing, crazy. That's a whole that's, different level of, you know, miseducation. Mis- edu- mis- yeah, you know 30 days now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that, man. All I'm saying is this, man. Like, 
Yeah, continue though. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not listening to the 30 day thing. I know there might be some people. That's a miseducation though. That's like Outrageous. that's a that's probably less than a one percent. I would think. My my dad works at the casino. He sees people come in all the time. Yeah, he sees people with dirty ass surgical masks they've been wearing for a long time. Yeah, you know that's one aspect of it. But the the doctors that I've shared, I shared a a, a conference of 164 doctors from across the world that say it's not only not effective, but it can lead to problems because you're touching it all the time, just just as Fauci said. But look, the mask has become a very political issue. I wear Ridiculous. So, you, I, I, so would you walk into a COVID hospital ward without a mask? Here's the thing. You, 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 <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. Just, just answer yes or no for now. For now. Would you walk into a COVID hospital ward without wearing a mask? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Because doctors have said Shocking. that. So no wait. doctor does. Every doctor wears like three masks. They put like tons of they put like shields on, visors. I mean, they dress no. like they're going to defuse like a nuclear weapon, like in a hazmat suit and all that, man. Oh, no, no. The reason that doctors wear a surgical mask is so that they don't contaminate people during a surgery. That's the primary they, function. Yeah, but I, in this COVID situation, though, they're wearing a mask so they don't. You know, they don't get get the virus. They don't want to get. I yeah. mean, a lot of them are getting sick, and that's one of the big problems. And what's really outrageous is to continue along these lines. Is and and I think that the point is a good one as far as the reason people, including myself, react a certain way to let your, your Joe to your tweets is because the power of words and the power of messaging and the the. This is also why a lot of people about this very podcast that we're on now. We're saying, don't give him the floor. Don't give him a platform, this and that. I'm sure you saw that stuff on Twitter. I didn't agree with that because I thought it was appropriate to have this conversation in public. I thought mm-hmm. it was the right move to have this. I think that you have earned a platform because of your achievements in the DJ world to be able to have this conversation in public. But, but the point is that the extreme case of this is the case that we're seeing now in North and South Dakota where there are there is a nurse that has recently come out and talking about how there's people dying of COVID, lying in the hospital bed who didn't wear masks, who didn't, who thought it was COVID was a hoax. And they're literally sitting there on their last breath, denying that COVID exists, but they have it and they're dying. I mean, it's outrageous how far these lies, these this misinformation and these lies have propagated so far. And it's not you, it's the president that's causing this, okay? But basically, the misinformation has gotten so powerful that people are literally about to die of COVID and they're still denying that COVID is real. I basically, mean, so that. that's in South Dakota. Some nurses. That's right. Were, South-, South Dakota, some nurses on the news, she was saying that patients are saying this can't be happening. It's not real. Instead of saying goodbye to their loved ones, they still don't believe that they, had, they got COVID and they died because of it. So. It's so I mean, how surreal, man. I mean, Joe, yeah, yeah. What, Joe, what was the feeling when your wife, you know, contracted the virus? Because you don't believe in masks. So what is the prevention in your eyes? What helps? I mean, it's similar to, to influenza. Fauci compared the, the infection fatality rate to influenza. So, you know, what do we do for influenza? Did anyone else in your house catch it or was it just your wife? It was just my wife and it was in January. You know, we never got confirmation because you can't really get confirmation. And I want to get into that because everything hinges on the test, right? The PCR test 
is the keystone of everything. And I would love to discuss the, the PCR tests because when you say you talk about cases are on the rise, it all depends on the PCR test or a diagnosis from a doctor, right? Well, you talk, you're, and when you say the PCR test, you're talking about the nostril swab the test. The swab, the swab, basically, right? right? Is that but the one that they put in the nostril, right? Right. Yeah. But, but just to, to, to go back to, to my wife, she was very sick for probably about three or four days, I want to say, maybe five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to say two of those days, she didn't have uh, a sense of taste or smell. Right. This was this was like mid January, and you know she works at she worked at Bellagio, she worked at uh, a Mayfair, the restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, she, you know she lost her job through this process. But at the time, we just thought that she had the flu, and you know thinking back as it came out that you know the the loss of taste and smell seems to be the identifying factor of SARS CoV two, we just assumed that that's what it was. Never got a test, but. To go to the PCR test, I think it's, it's so important to discuss it because how it works is it doesn't really test for the virus. It doesn't test for SARS-CoV-2. It tests for genetic RNA material, okay? And how the PCR tests, it was invented by this guy named Kerry Mullis. And uh, he says in a video that it's not meant to test for infectious disease and it's not it doesn't tell you if you're sick. So it's testing for like RNA genetic material and it amplifies it. Okay. And they say certain genomes or whatever are identified as possibly being SARS-CoV-2, but depending on how many times you amplify this material, it's going to give you a positive reading every time. If you go above a 35 cycle rating, Fauci even says this in a video, which I would love to play on your show. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you go by, if you go by, did you guys ever hear about the, the 77 NFL players that tested positive? And then like the next day they tested them again. None of them were positive. And then you have Elon Musk tweeting yesterday that he was tested four times, two of which were positive, two were negative. That means he has it. Elon Musk has it. If you test, if two of them are positive, that means he has it. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Well, it doesn't because how many times were each test cycled? That's what. That's the point I'm getting. A couple things. First of all, like all of us sometimes, unfortunately, have to go to the doctor. Whatever the doctor says, the doctor's the one that went to medical school. We trust their opinion. Okay, this is where none of us here went to medical school. None of us here have studied the science. I mean, I'm sure you've read a bunch of articles, as have I. But the point is that. In our society, whatever the test is that they're using, that's the one we're going to use because the people that decide those things, I trust that they're going to make the right decision to do that. So if it's a swab, and I've been tested like four or five times myself, and, and it's been the swab. And so they stick, it's, it's, you know, it's not fun. They stick that nostril thing in your, in your nose, and it is what it is. But the, point, but the point I'm making is that the test exists. It's not perfect. There are several tests, as you know. There, there's, there's, there's also other forms of a test that they can do. The problem is, when it comes to the testing, and I'm sure we're going to get to this too, I don't know how much time we have, but the rapid test is what they need. There needs to be a very effective rapid test, which can instantly tell you yes or no if you have it. There are various versions of that, but for, for a lot of reasons, which have to do with the way that 
the business of medicine works, from what I understand, that test has not been fully deployed. I don't, I don't really know all the reasons why, but there should be, if there was, imagine how much this would save everything. Like if you could walk up to a club and get like tested instantly or a concert event or a sports event or a casino or whatever, and, and somehow you could know right away, that would solve all our problems, right? I mean, that would be like an instant solve to all this, to all this negativity about not opening things up. But that test, for whatever reason, I mean, I thought by this point, like nine months into this, that everyone would just have an at-home test. Like I thought you could just order it from Amazon. It seemed logical like back in February that, mm -hmm. oh, look, they're going to figure it out. But I don't have the answer as to why that doesn't happen. But it seems like there should be a rapid test that everyone can just do like, oh, you put some saliva on something and it shows you whether you have it or you put a drop of blood and it shows you whether you have it. There are a few things that purport to do that, but for whatever reason, they're not fully distributed and deployed. I would love to just, it's a two minute clip. It discusses the PCR no. test. I would Please don't. No, I mean, no, come no. On, Joe, Joe, honestly, can you summarize it though? You know, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's the lead scientific advisor for Pfizer discussing yes. PCR doesn't test for the virus. The way a case is defined is a positive test. You don't have to be sick. You just tested positive. Right, but you can't fake the deaths, though. You can't fake the deaths. So, like, the you the can... Are, well, the deaths, you... Okay, the deaths are you can, weird, you can, you can argue about whether, whether someone has it or not because some people are asymptomatic, some people aren't. You know, it affects people differently. And, and I acknowledge that most people recover. I know about 25 people in Vegas that have gotten it and recovered. So... It is true that most people recover, okay? Unfortunately, some people don't, okay? But you, the people that don't, you cannot fake a death, okay? A well, death. Well, I want to I touch on that. I want to touch on that. Yes, people are dying. Yes, people are dying. But if you go to the CDC website and you look directly at the data, it says 6% of the deaths are from COVID only. 6%. And it says the rest of the 94% are people that died with a positive test or diagnosis from doctors that also had, on average, uh, 2.6 comorbidities, meaning they had complications in their system. So, and how do they define a diagnosis from a doctor? You could have it, you could have a cough, you could have a headache. And they say, you know what? I think they had COVID. And my doctor that I grew up with, Scott Jensen, he's now a state senator from Minnesota. You know, he's been attacked viciously just because he talked about the CDC directive where he got a seven page document directly from the CDC on how it was going to work with Medicare, paying back these hospitals that are dealing with COVID. And they, they paid $39,000 to every COVID death. So that creates kind of a weird incentive, especially for hospitals that were laying off people, furloughing people. And all you have to do is just say, OK, I think they had COVID. And then you get the $39,000. Now they could have died from something else. And I have a friend on Facebook. I can show you her, her post. It got like 50,000 uh, reposts or whatever on Facebook. Her, her father had um, cancer and they marked it as COVID. And this is not unique. This, people are dying from heart attacks, motorcycle accidents, you name it. They're marking that as COVID because if you die within 28 days of a positive test, which could 
be anything like I talked about, depending on the cycles, it's going to give you a positive rating. Anything above 35 cycles, you could have had a cold like a year ago and it's going to say, you know what, you're positive. Well, you don't, there's no identifying factor. SARS-CoV-2, no. If, so, so, listen, if somebody dies of a comorbidity, with a comorbidity, of, yeah. that means that the COVID pushed them over the edge. In other words, it doesn't, it, it doesn't excuse it as a COVID death. Someone might have like diabetes or some other thing, and then they get COVID, and then as a result, because of the diabetes, the rest of their system breaks down, and they, unfortunately, they pass away. Right. So that doesn't make it not a COVID death. That just And also, Trump spewed that nonsense about the money. He, he said that that's also been fact-checked and proven wrong, okay? There, okay. This, the, the doctors have no incentive to lie about someone's death, okay? Like, why would it, like... There would have to be this giant conspiracy with like tens of thousands of medical professionals making things up about people dying of COVID like that. No, that's the opposite. In fact, the people that are there on the front lines are heroes and they're the ones that are the, the patriots here. If anyone's deserved to be praised, it's the people in the hospitals that are the ones right in front of the COVID patients working with them. Yeah, because they're, they're the ones putting themselves like on the front lines of danger, you know, in a sense. Of, of exposing themselves to this deadly virus. Now, granted, as I keep saying, we all know that a very large percentage of people recover, okay? But for those that don't, one of the ways that we measure the negative impact of this crisis is people that die of COVID. And mm -hmm. in particular, they have something called, what's the word for it? It's like uh, excess mortality, which is the measurement of last year, how many people died in October, versus this year, and then looking at the COVID numbers. And that also, which I'm not gonna go into all the data, but there's websites you can look at. If you look up that, that phrase, excess mortality, you will see that, that basically no one's lying about the effect of COVID. I mean, it's like, it's like, it doesn't matter what number you throw at people. You know, there's been a lot of people who were Republicans or Trump supporters or, people that didn't believe that COVID was real or they, they believed this, this theory or that, that have now gotten COVID and come around. There was like a number of prominent pieces that came out. You might've seen, I think I tweeted about it, that there was a guy that was like, he was the biggest like no mask guy. He was like, Mr. Like COVID is fake. And then he got it. And then somebody close to him died of it and his family got it. And he had a thanks, not Thanksgiving, but he had like a family gathering and everyone got it. And so the point is that like, it's it, sometimes it takes, I never celebrate when someone gets COVID. Like that's where I differ from a lot of my liberal friends and some of the more extreme left people than me. I consider myself more of a moderate. I think it's wrong to celebrate when somebody gets sick or gets, or dies. I don't care who they are. I felt the same way about Trump. Everyone was like, you know, people on the left were almost giddy sure, when Trump got yeah. sick, but I don't agree. I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right because that's karma. You don't want to go out there in the universe and say, ah, ha, ha, look at him, he got sick. And then you turn around and you get sick. You know, that's so, so I actually differ from a lot of my fellow thinkers on that sense. And when, you know, when people die of COVID, it's a crisis, it, it's, a, it's a, a disaster. You know, it's a, it's a sad thing. I don't care if they're on the right or the left, you know, yeah. but it's, you know, so I guess we can agree on that. But I mean, at least, you know, I just think the, kind of alluding to what Crooked said earlier, which is I think one of the main points of this whole conversation is that when you spread 
poorly sourced information, misinformation, facts that are just not true, there is a negative effect from it. There is damage that can be done. And you have to face that. You have to look in the mirror and say to yourself, like, why am I, like, don't you want to help people? Don't you want to, like, make society better? Don't you want to make things better? Now, I get that a lot of people are angry about being locked in and they're looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for, like, someone to point the finger at, you know? But we're all locked in. It's like anyone in America, I mean, I'm, as I said, I'm in Taiwan right now where there's zero COVID. My son is able to go outside and play every day because they handled it here. They handled the virus. There's zero, zero cases for like four or five months. So it can be done. Now, granted, there's a lot of differences. Taiwan's an island, much smaller. It's about the size of New York in terms of population. But my point is that America mishandled this. We're still in it. It's nine months later. The numbers are worse than they've ever been. And we just have to face the hard truth of that. It ain't going to get better anytime soon. We're in for a horrible December, a horrible January. And then maybe, maybe by the time like May comes around, like the, vi you know, and we haven't even spoken about the vaccine yet. And that's another controversial issue. But basically enough people will take the vaccine and that we'll be able to solve some of these problems. But the biggest issue is so simple. It's just wear a mask. It's so easy. If you just wear a mask, that'll cut things like in half right away. In the beginning of this, I, I saw it as a courtesy as well. I saw it That's as right. a, a unified courtesy. When I walked across a hallway and I, you know, if I was outside hiking and someone was walking towards me, I put up my mask. They put up their mask. It's a gesture, right, that I'm, I'm caring for you and you're caring for me. Exactly. When, I, when I get in an elevator, right? When I get in an elevator and I have my mask and they have their mask, there's it's a gesture, right? That I'm, I'm caring for you and you're caring for me. Now, the exactly. selfishness, I think there's a little bit of a selfishness for somebody to break that and say, hey, you guys are fucking stupid. Like, look at this information. Like, I'm not wearing a mask. You're fucking weak. And then they start twisting the knife even more and start ridiculing people on this. Yeah. Do you understand? To me, that that is the most irresponsible, ugly thing to do. And it's it's because it's really amplifying what is the problem with America. The selfishness. Or they go crazy in a Starbucks about someone asking to wear a mask and there's videos right. everywhere of like people screaming their head off because they get asked to wear a mask. And it's like a simple courtesy to make society better. And you it, care enough about society to do a simple Small things what's, to make society better. That's that. What's easy. hard about that? What's hard about wearing a mask? But, but exactly for, for a couple of hours. But but Joe, what I'm trying to get at is, is mm -hmm. is 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 there any kind of selfishness involved? Because even when you you talk about voting for Trump, right? You know, when I mention Trump to a lot of my friends, when they talk about Trump, when we talk about the people that voted for Trump. They, they, they mention racists, bigots, Nazis, fascists, mm -hmm. white nationalists. These are the people that they talk about. And a lot mm -hmm. of my friends are people of color and black people. And so a lot of people would be like, I voted for Trump, but I'm not racist. You know, I agree with something like I wanted lower taxes, but, you know, I'm not racist. So the, so the question is that I want to ask you, right? Yeah. Is that. Is there a selfishness and a disconnect on your side where some of these issues that affect other races or other people and different classes or different wherever, and it doesn't affect you, 
is there a level of privilege to overlook some of these things because some of the other policies that Trump represents, you know, benefits you financially? Well, you assert these things as if they're automatically true. You know, you assert that masks automatically work and you assert that somehow we're selfish for sharing all of those people that previously said they don't work. And then you have the, the case of Sweden. They have never worn masks. Are all those people in Sweden that never wore masks and in Denmark, are they selfish? I don't think so. I think if you look at the data, the masks, you can, you can look right where the, the, the graph starts, right where they implemented a mask mandate. It's like, boom, UK, they implemented a mask mandate. Boom, cases on the rise, deaths on the rise. Didn't matter. Okay, let's address Sweden because you and I discussed this on Twitter too. Your take on Sweden is completely wrong, okay? Sweden has one of the highest death rates in the world from COVID. It's been debated. They, they basically went for what you call herd immunity, okay, which is something that Trump has bandied about as well without really knowing what it means. What that means is that enough people already get exposed to the virus that the community as a whole builds up defenses that defeats the virus. Mm-hmm. But that is a sick and twisted way to look at things. That basically assumes that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are going to get sick and die before and it, you achieve herd immunity. It's much. basically saying like, oh, yeah, it's like it's like saying sending a bunch of troops into war without guns and saying, yeah, we're going to like lose like half a million people. But it's in the end, we'll, we'll get the territory. You know, basically, if you look at the numbers, Sweden's per capita death rate is the 12th highest in the world. Maybe that's moved around a bit on the chart, sometime between 12 and 15. And basically... The countries, Sweden and the United States are make up a category of only two countries. They're the only countries with high overall mortality rates that failed to reduce those numbers as the pandemic went on. So basically, Sweden and the United States are the two countries that handled it actually the worst. It's not the best. What they did was the worst because they saw that they had a problem and it got worse instead of getting better. So that Sweden thing that everyone says to look at Sweden, look at Sweden, completely wrong. Sweden is one of the worst places for COVID on the planet. Well, you can say I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong because I'm looking at the data right now. And the data says deaths per 1 million population, they are number 10 in all of Europe. They're not even close. What, on the whole world chart, because I don't have that in front of me, what, what number are they on the entire world? I don't, I mean, I, give me a second to pull it up, but... For example, France has a higher death rate. Italy has a higher death rate. UK has a higher death rate. Spain has a higher death rate. Belgium has a higher death rate. Yeah. And they did crazy lockdowns and Sweden's still living their lives. The children are not being grown up in this crazy dystopic world where they're afraid of their classmates and everybody has to wear a mask. And you have to socially distance six feet from each other. No, schools are operating normally. But the point is like, Sweden is on the top 20, and this is what we showed when we had our Twitter conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Sweden is one of the worst in the world. I mean, it's, it, it didn't work. Herd immunity was a failure, okay? If, if you just let people go, the only thing that works is masks, contact tracing, and quarantine, plus other things that you could do on a deeper level. You know, there's things you can do with data and science on a deeper level, but if you just do those three things... That's what works, and you're saying that and because, what, and you're saying that because it's been effective in Asia, Asia, right? and a few other countries, and also Denmark has been quite effective, as I recall. Right? I, I'm not looking at that chart right now, but I'm, I'm looking at the whole world right now, and Sweden, Sweden is number twenty okay. on death per one million. But you have to look at the whole picture. 
Okay, so if you're implementing these crazy lockdowns that are completely destroying your country, destroying lives, high suicide rates, uh, high deaths from drug overdoses, all those things play a factor in all of this. And that's, so the, main, that's the main reason I came forward. Okay, because a lot more people I know are, are being really damaged by this financially, emotionally, suicide, children not growing up. It, it's it's the, everything that's going on is fucked up. Okay. So there's another side to it. And I get people are dying from it, but we have to look at the whole picture. And so we is number 20 in deaths for 1 million. Yeah. And that sucks. Number 20 out of every country in the world sucks. Okay. But also let me just say this because I want to get back to our little universe of like nightclubs and DJs. Yeah. What would you do? Would you suggest that they open up all the clubs and let everybody in as it is right now? Is that what you're advocating? Are you advocating for just opening everything up and letting everyone just go to a club like it's normal? I would say this, and you know, that sounds very irresponsible. I understand that. But I would say, okay, we're, we're being, we're like enemy number one. Would you guys say that, that like, that's probably a good thing? What do thing? you mean we? We? Like nightclubs? Night nightclubs, service industry, restaurants. Nightclubs, bars, and the hospitality industry is, we're, is we're, the- We're enemy number one in this whole game. Yeah. You know, which is crazy. Like- but I would not say, enemy, not enemy. It's just they're the, the most places dangerous. where they're yeah. most dangerous. That's we're right. Told, we're, the told, we're told that we're the most dangerous. That's okay. what we're told. But well, I say, show me the data that that proves we're the most dangerous. So, large gatherings. Give, give me a report. <laughs> look, uh, look, Joe. Listen, there's a lot of fluids moving back and forth, and nightclubs sweating. There's a that's alone. That's a proven okay. fact that. I get that, but like, listen, I just, I sat on an airplane for five hours next to somebody I didn't know, shoulder to shoulder. Okay. And they're telling me, okay, Newsweek, for example, says all these millions of flights have gone on since the beginning of March. Mm -hmm. 88 cases are linked back to the airlines. No, they just have a good lobbyist, dude. That's bullshit. I mean, you, you go to an airport, you walk in, you have to stand six feet from everybody at the gate. Okay. PSA. You're at the gate. Uh, you have to sit like six feet from each other. You're boarding the plane six feet from each other. And then all of a sudden, they plop you right down next to somebody for six, for however many hours. Wearing a mask. Uh-huh. Not all the time. You got your pretzels out. You know? If you is, the, is, the middle seat, is the middle seat empty? Because I haven't been on the plane since this whole Oh, no. No, 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 no. Sometimes was, yes and sometimes no. It, it, it's, it depends on the airline. Yeah, I've, I've been, them. I've had both. Sometimes the middle seat's open, luckily, and then sometimes it's been a completely full fight. Yep. So that's what I'm saying. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of irrational shit. Look, when the casinos reopened in July, and this is kind of what I wanted to allude to, it's in my financial interest, as I said earlier, that the casinos stay open because I provide music for them, okay? So mm -hmm. when they opened, I was shocked in July when the casinos reopened. And there you got, like... A virus that's going rampant and, and there's all this danger and people are walking around a casino in the beginning with no mask. Remember like yep. that, that famous video of Cosmopolitan when the guy walked through and it went viral because people were, that's a great word for this, but it went viral and, and everyone was shocked. And then the same was true. It wasn't just Cosmo. It was all the casino companies were not enforcing the rules. But then that's when Sisolak in Nevada came out and at least made the mask required in indoors. But honestly, and just to be totally real here, the casinos control Vegas. We all know that, okay? It's the casinos that make the rules. Sisolak is somewhat powerless to fight the real bosses in Vegas, which is the casinos, companies, uh -huh. okay? 
So that's why even in this latest wave, and Nevada is going through a horrible wave right now, the third wave, and the numbers are horrible, and it's probably going to come back to this again anytime damn soon where they have to make a decision. But right now, he picks on the small bars and restaurants and says, no, you guys have to close down, but the casinos, for whatever reason, get to stay open. Now, again, I'm kind of in the middle here because, of course, I want to have the revenue, but also I want to do the right thing for Vegas because in the long run, we're becoming a vector for super spreading right. because people are flying in from or driving in from California and Arizona or sometimes flying. They spread their germs. They leave. People get sick. You know, there's no accountability. The casinos now, I think, are doing their best under the circumstances to try to enforce masks and et cetera and cleaning things and washing your hands and disinfecting. And they're doing everything they can, I think, under the circumstances. I don't think they have. I think they have the best intentions, but still, you know, should they really stay open? I mean, is gambling really that important? Mnuchin, who's a treasury secretary, who's kind of a moderate Republican guy, he basically said on TV, this is going back like two months ago, that there was going to be a package just for the hospitality industry. I was like, yes, that makes total sense. But it, it's, it was a stalemate in the Congress and they couldn't get anything passed. And now, obviously, it's not going to get passed before the new president. So we're kind of stuck until January with, with nothing and the whole, and it, it's, and of course I know tons of people that own restaurants and bars who've gone out of business and it's, it's terrible. And I totally agree. The biggest issue is to address the most affected and it's hospitality, bars, restaurants, and entertainment. Yes. You know, it's like live shows, concerts, anyone that does anything live, is has hasn't had work for six months or nine months so joe your stance is pretty much how can you not open nightclubs and bars when you're allowed to go to an airport with thousands of people at a time and sit next to someone you don't know they're sipping on their tea or coffee with no masks throughout the flight eating pretzels and whatnot but still it's like a a mandate that nightclubs just is not going to be realistic until maybe 2021 it doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm doesn't make sense to me that I can sit right next to somebody for that amount of time and, and people do it all day, every day. But you're comparing one person to a large gathering, Joe, when there's like more than 100 people in a nightclub, really close proximity. It's kind of like, it doesn't make sense to me, buddy. But it's, you know what I'm saying? I'll tell you this, like uh, Florida, for example, and I, I posted a video from it because I was like, okay, this is people out enjoying life and, and, and doing what we are supposed to do. Okay. Um, in Orlando, there was a festival with like loud luxury and carnage and nitty gritty and people were just out enjoying themselves. And I would say 30% of people had masks on. It was going just like a festival would. The whole city was packed with people, bars, nightclubs, you name it. So you don't you don't feel like that was reckless, like the people that wasn't wearing masks. Well, I would say if it if it is, and I'm not saying it's not necessarily not reckless, but I'm saying if it is, shouldn't we have like all these people dying right now? That was like two weeks ago. Shouldn't we have like hospitals flooded in Florida? Logically thinking, that's that's why this North Dakota South Dakota thing because they have that big motorcycle festival. I forget what it's called. You know, what I'm talking Sturgis. about that big, yeah, Sturgis. So they had that. And now we have the worst cases in the whole world after that. And nobody wore a mask there. Or from what I could see from the videos, nobody wore a mask. So also I should note that I went to Ultra Taiwan two nights ago, okay? I was like in a festival, like a straight up normal 
festival. And even though there's no COVID, everyone wore a mask, okay? This is so how twisted it is. There's no COVID in this country and they have a giant festival and at least for the entrance and exit and for much of the festival, people are voluntarily wearing a mask because they care that much, as Crooked was saying, about other people. They just want to protect and that's what's so twisted about this. It's like, it's the simplest thing you can do to help other people and you can still have fun. Now, granted, it is kind of weird to wear a mask in a casino or at a concert. It's not, it isn't really fun. I mean, it, it sucks, you know? It sucks to wear a mask when you're, you can't drink, you can't, you know, you can't like really, in, it, it does hinder the enjoyment somewhat, but it's the tough pill we got to swallow. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think it's, as to, to support what everyone's saying, I just, as much as I want every club to be open and all my DJ friends to start working again, it ain't going to happen until the, the vaccine kicks in. Well, check, yeah, I think that's a good segue. I wanna, I wanna ask you guys. I wanna ask you guys about the vaccine. This guy listens to Joe, Joe Rogan a lot. I can tell. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great segue, Joe. It's a great Go segue. Go ahead. You know, everything seems to be like headed. Everything's pointed towards the vaccine, right? That's right. our illusion of the return to normalcy, right? Like everything is gonna be good. All right, we're popping again. Everything is good. Everybody's got the vaccine. Well, for one, Fauci said just like today or yesterday that the masks don't come off and the lockdowns, the restrictions, the distancing probably aren't going to end either with the vaccine. That's number one. Number two is we have to ask ourselves, why do you need a vaccine for something where the IFR, the infection fatality rate, is on average 0.26%? And you have, you're shutting down the entire world for this. 7.8 billion people need the vaccine. And on top of that, you're going to need the vaccine to do anything in your life. That's the plan. You're going to have an app on your phone. You go to the airport. Oh, your vaccine isn't up to date. Nope, you're not boarding this flight. You want to get an Uber? You want to get in a Lyft? Nope, your vaccine isn't up to date. You're not doing that. You want to get a job here? You want to come to this casino? Nope, you're not doing that. You want to go to school? It's all going to be the vaccine is like the mandate. That's going to dictate our entire lives. And I want to ask you guys, do you believe in that sort of a system? It, it sucks, but that's what it has to be. I mean, like, it's like we do that anyway. We all, when we're kids, we get vaccinated for the measles and the mumps and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And it's, you know, like I have a son. I, Joe, you have a child also, right? I mean, did you vaccinate your child? No, I don't. That was my niece that I posted. Oh, okay, okay. So, I mean, as every parent faces that issue. Like, is it time to vaccinate our children? And 90 something percent of people do and there's a few percentage of people that say no and those people are wrong okay because you have to do it in the interest now it sucks to see a giant needle come in and touch your little baby and make the baby cry <laughs> it sucks okay but you just have to do it you know because this is like one of the things about living in a society is that you can't be like just about yourself you know it's about the community so yes i agree those things you're saying are going to be required. It's going to be necessary to have an app on your phone. It's going to be necessary to prove that you're vaccinated in order to enter an event. But that's the reality what you have to deal with. And it's not that bad. I mean, they're going to make it hopefully free. I mean, I don't know if that's going to actually happen, but hopefully it will be free. Um, if we're lucky, I think under Biden, it would be. Joe, I got a question. What, what do you fear about the vaccine? What are you scared about? Well, for one, it doesn't make sense. 
it doesn't make sense that you would shut down the world and say 7.8 billion people need a vaccine. That, that on its face alone, that, you know, this is this is unprecedented in history. Mm-hmm. When you do this, you can yeah, you can have the measles vaccine, you can have the polio vaccine. Nobody's saying you can't go anywhere with all this without a vaccine. I can't enter an Uber without a vaccine. That's what it's headed for. You know, Biden's task force, one of the members said, you won't even be able to get unemployment unless you get the COVID vaccine. You won't be able to get public assistance unless you get the vaccine. So are you more outraged that this this is this mandate's coming to play or you're more you're just questioning what's this thing that they're going to inject in me? Well, I, yeah, I think that's definitely worth questioning. I mean, Bill Gates was on CBS with Nora or Donald. What's her name? Nora something. Mm-hmm. And they talked about, for example, the response in the trials. And 80 percent of the people in the trials had a negative response to the vaccine, a very negative response to the vaccine. What? Wait, wait, what? 80 percent. No, it was the opposite. They had a 95 Pfizer and Moderna had a success rate of like 90 something percent. That's the, that's what they said, according to their early data that came out recently. So this what are you saying that this 80 percent of people had a problem? Trial participants had a negative response, a negative reaction the vaccine. I could which say, one? I could, the Pfizer okay. one or which one are you trying Moderna, to? Moderna. The Moderna one? I yeah. just saw a stat today that said that Moderna was like 90 something percent effective. I, I don't yeah, know. As, as of today, but in an interview, and I want to say July or August, Bill Gates was sitting there on CBS News and she pressed them on it. Again, you know, you wanted to talk about Bill yeah, Gates. But, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but can you, can you answer the question though? What's what that? What is your fear? What is, you don't want that injected in you? Or, or you don't want to follow a mandate. You think it's ludicrous that you have to get a vaccine just to live your life in society. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I think, I think we're uh, entering a medical tyranny in that respect. Because Okay, you brought this up, medical tyranny. Is that, is that an actual term or did you? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and put it in the most simple terms as yes. possible. Yeah. If, if you crook it, you're yes. like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't need the vaccine. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Let's just say, let's say you had COVID and now you got the, the antibodies and you're immune. You know, people debate about the immunity and all that too. Or for whatever reason, you just say, ah, I'm not down with that. I don't like Bill Gates. That guy's fucking weird. Whatever. Whatever your reason is, you don't want the vaccine. You won't be able to exist in society. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what the plan is. That's tyranny. You can't do shit. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. That's what I'm worried about. And then on top of that, there's all kinds of weird shit with, with the vaccine. In Australia, they have already said, if you refuse the vaccine, and I posted this, and there's, I don't see why anybody would be upset about me posting with direct links to their website. If you refuse the COVID vaccine, it's a $66,600 fine. God damn. Better get that vaccine. (laughs) Better put that shit on, babe. I'll put it on myself. Six, six, six. Check it out. Check it out. Follow it up. Jamie. Got you, buddy. I think what's going to look, what's going to end up happening. We all see where this is heading. Okay. All the people that believe Trump's lies and all the people that already are anti-mask and all that, they're not going to get the vaccine. So what's going to end up happening is they're going to prolong this problem. Okay, so all the people that actually follow science and care about the community, we're going to get the vaccine. So they'll become will become even more divided. The vaccine is going to be a whole nother level of this divisiveness. It already is obvious what's going to happen. 
we, you can't, we do live in a free country. That's one of the things about America and, and even the left and right can agree on that. And basically people are going to choose to do a selfish thing, which is not get the vaccine. That's what it is. It's being selfish. It's saying that my temporary inconvenience is more important than making, getting us all past this problem. That's all it is. And it's the same thing as wearing a mask. So we're going to head down this path now where there'll be all this misinformation about the vaccine is evil and it makes this and that, and it has this and that, but we all have to trust the scientists to give us the truth. And I'm not saying they're all perfect, but that's what science is. Science is about testing hypotheses and finding things and making changes when things are revealed that were right or wrong. And that's what science is. It's an ongoing process of, of learning and, and, and um, iterating based on the data that you have. And so we all have to trust our scientists and the CDC, which up until Trump was the world's leading authority on things like this. And now, thank God, after he lost, it's coming back. And now you see all the messaging is completely different now. Now they're saying that everyone needs to wear a mask. And now they're saying like all the right things. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're heading down a path and it's not Joe's fault. It's Trump's fault. But basically, everyone is going to all the all the people that are faithful are going to refuse to get the vaccine. And we're going to be, you know, in I don't know fully enough about how vaccines work to know what the effect of that is. But I think you need a certain percentage of the population to to take the vaccine for it to be effective. Right. Isn't that, that right, Joe? Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, that's that's the messaging. Yeah. So, so why, it's like, but, if, but if, the, if the death rate of COVID-19 is the same as the flu and, and Fauci has said this in the New England Journal, uh, Journal of Medicine in March. And the data says this right now, you can look at it on the CDC website. If the fatality rate is the same as the flu, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Because we might expose people that are that have those comorbidities. That's why it's like, we might catch it and we might get over it, but we might expose our grandmother or our parents or somebody that, you know, has a chance to be one of those death statistics. That's the reason. The reason is yes, we might get over it as relatively healthy people, but not everyone will. It's that simple, man. It's like, but, but, yes, but, but, we might not get it. We might not die. We'll probably anyone on this call, if we got it, most likely we'd, we'd be okay. Okay. But the people next to us might not. And that's it. Well, you know, if, if the flu has the same fatality rate, why don't we shut down the world for the flu and mandate a vaccine for the flu? Because the death rate isn't the same. It, is. it doesn't No, It's not, but it's not, it's not, Well, but it is though. So the, the, the flu death uh, deaths in 2018 to 2019 were 34,000 in that right. span of COVID a year. COVID-19 COVID right is a quarter million. A quarter million, a quarter million people. Yeah. A quarter million people have died of COVID. And also in, in 2017 to 18, it was around 60,000. So it, it's nowhere near the same as... Um, I remember doing this research. Term. It's nowhere near the same amount as COVID. This is a quote from Fauci. The overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be akin to those of severe seasonal influenza. New when England, did he say that? When was you that? Know, is there a date? New, New England... Journal of Medicine, March 26, 2004. Yeah, yeah. March. Now, it's, now, now the science and knowledge have evolved. And that's like I said, that's what science is. I don't, like I said, I was very confused by some of Fauci's early statements because it, it wasn't logical. But now he's saying the things that we're saying. He's saying wear a mask because it protects you and it protects others. The science has evolved and our understanding of COVID has evolved. And here we are. You know, we're, like I said, we're in the worst 
case that we've had ever. I mean, it's, it's almost the numbers are worse than the first wave right now. And there's a whole bunch of states where there's more people in hospitals than there ever was before. I'm trying to find this, this stat that I wrote down. But basically, there's like about 15 states in America where it's worse than it was the first time. So we're in, like I said, it's going to get mean, bad, man. Joe, Joe, do you accept that information that what he said in March changed and evolved and they just learned more about the virus? And well, then- I'm, I'm looking directly right now to the website right now. And I'm looking right at the IFR. Zero to 19 years, 0.003%. 20 to 49 years, 0.02%. 50 to 69 years, 0.5%, 70 plus years, 5.4%. So yes, it does affect the elderly uh, more than anybody else. And we should protect them. That's why I talked about the the great Barrington declaration and their approach is basically protect the elderly, protect the vulnerable, because yes, there's people that are below the age of 70 that they're going to have more susceptibility to it because they have diabetes or uh, other complications. Mm-hmm. But the, the lockdown measures and the restrictions are completely destroying. All right. Humanity. I know, Joe, but can we agree that COVID is worse than the flu? Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, we, we, we're looking at the numbers right now. And I just told you. Yeah. What did you tell me? I said that the infection fatality, right? The IFR is similar to the flu right on the CDC website. Yeah, but I'm looking at the death number, the the, literally the number of deaths in 2017 to 18 and 2018 to 19 that does 20 uh, 34,000 and 60,000 doesn't compare to 250,000 in nine months well, you, but then again now we go back <laughs> we go back to right. my friend had cancer and they marked it as covid so we Very, it's like you go in a circle it's like you know how many deaths what is the acceptable number of deaths like what at what point do you go oh now it's too many like We've had a quarter million Americans die. Like that's more than like that's almost as much as World War II. Okay, but it's like have, insane. But we have had people die. You're right. People have died. But what what is your response when I say my friends die? My friend's dad died of cancer. They they marked it as COVID. What do you say to that? Well, I I don't want to bring this up, and I hate to bring it up, but never. I mean, when your father passed, they said it was pneumonia. Yeah. Right. This, that's how it started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of deaths, you know, that are COVID related are not because of COVID. It's because of, you know, underlying, underlying health underlying conditions. existing conditions. Right. So, of course, COVID is going to attack the immune system. Do you know what I'm saying? They're going to attack weaker immune systems. Yeah. So people's causes of death are going to be a multitude of things. All I know is from personal experience. But that's one person, Joe. All that there's, I posted screen caps of people from probably a thousand different people talking about the same type of thing. My dad had a heart attack. They counted it as COVID and I'm reading right from her posts. It, it, and in no way did it relate to COVID whatsoever that they, on, on they, what, on what platform did you read that on? Facebook people. I mean, uh, people, there was somebody like keeping track of all this. I'm, stuff. Already, I'm like, you know I mean? Joe, I'm, 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 I'm really trying to look at your side, but you, you know, yeah. Facebook is like one of the, like, <laughs> it's, most like toxic, it's the most toxic source of information that we get because anyone can post. And this goes back to what we said earlier is that you may, you're, you're obviously an intelligent person, but you just don't seem to be able to distinguish between sources of information. Sometimes you cite relevant sources of information like the CDC. Yeah. And then sometimes you cite a guy on Facebook or on some Twitter. random thing on Twitter. It's like, 
like we, those of us in the media particularly have to be able to distinguish where is the information coming from. And I think that's been the key sort of criticism I have of, of a lot of your points of view is that you're getting it from someone who's basically, a, as Trump once said, a 400 pound guy sitting on his bed, you know, that's what, that's who's doing it. It's like one guy. No, and that's like, those are real, real people that I posted. Like the, like the dominion voting thing. That's like the QAnon people posting that. Okay. That's where that's, that's the source of that. And it got no, repeated and repeated. And now people think it's real, but it's not, it's, it's a QAnon people. Do you support no. QAnon? No, I mean, I, I, you're just assuming that this, I'm asking, QAnon. I'm asking, do, do you support QAnon? No. Do you I believe think, in that? I think, I think QAnon is a psyop. I've looked at the information. I've went to the QAnon website. Yeah, they, they post sometimes true stuff, sometimes complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think it's probably just somebody running some sort of psyop. Yeah, I mean, QAnon, just for those that don't know, believes that basically the world is run by Satan-worshipping pedophiles who are plotting against Trump while operating a global child sex trafficking ring. And they think that Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and George Soros, as well as Oprah Winfrey, Tom Hanks, Ellen DeGeneres, and Dalai Lama are all pedophiles that in addition to molesting children, they kill and eat their victims in order to extract a life-extending chemical for their blood. Okay? So I'm not saying, Joe, I mean, I'm glad that you... that's better than Botox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait, to your wait, credit, wait. I'm not saying because you never claimed QAnon. So, I mean, uh, to your credit, I'm not painting you with that brush, but I'm just saying that that's who is spreading. The people that are talking that nonsense are the same ones that are the source of a lot of misinformation. And what they do is they have a grip on a certain segment of the population out there that just wants to grasp on things because they fundamentally hate the left. They hate... They love, they, they love Trump for whatever reason. That's their right, but they hate the left. And honestly, I think beneath it, and again, I'm not painting you with this brush, but I think there's a lot of racism underneath because they hate Obama and they hate Jewish people and they hate just, it's just like, there's like a theme, you know, underneath it. Now, again, I, I, this is a very sensitive subject and I'm not accusing you of this, but I'm saying that out there, there's a lot of information that is sourced from these these kind of sources and that's toxic such a leap though like it's like you i'm talking about dominion voting systems i'm talking about trump's own lawyer Sidney powell with affidavits from people that worked at dominion voting systems and then you're trying to lump it in with QAnon as if it relates it doesn't relate at all it does it does because that's where they found the source of the of the dominion no, rumor a, was QAnon. an affidavit from a person that worked at dominion okay and let me ask you this and all of a sudden you're talking about like pedophiles and shit all right let me ask you this let me ask you this who is going to be sworn in as president on january 20th in my opinion it's just my opinion i think trump is going to be sworn in because there's what we have now is the illusion of an elected president because the media has declared joe biden as the president but that's not how the constitution works there's nothing about jake tapper in the constitution okay the constitution says the secretaries of state certify the, the, the results of each individual state. Then it goes to the state legislatures. They select their electors. And then that's how that works. Okay. So how confident are you? In other words, would you be willing to bet on that? Uh-oh. Now you want to. <laughs> Wait, wasn't there, wasn't there a wager about this? I'm, I'm I asking, about a wager. You, 
$5,000, I heard. How, would you be willing to bet that $5,000 on this, on this, that Trump's going to be the next president, going to be well, reelected? Uh, here's the deal. I'll do it. <laughs> do it if Sisolak, you know, comps me that because frankly, I've had like three gigs. But no, I get it. I honestly, I don't have that money that I want to give away. You might be right, you know, but that's just my opinion. I think I think Trump ultimately here's what I think is going to happen. I think over the next few weeks and a couple months that they're going to prove massive election fraud or at least indicate that Dominion voting had a massive influence on the election. It's going to end up at the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's going to say, OK, the, the election is illegitimate because there's massive red flags here between preventing the poll watchers from counting the votes, looking at the votes. Dominion voting is weird. There's dead voters on the roll. There's all kinds of weird things. And the media is not going to tell you that. The media is going to say Trump is a dictator and Trump is not abiding by the tradition of conceding. OK, that's what they're going to tell you. And because that's true. Right. Well, that's because what that's you true. believe, but that's not true. Everybody's going to get really fucking pissed off. That's what's going to happen. If Trump succeeds somehow crazy, which he won't, but if he were to succeed in stealing the election, yeah. we will have civil war in the United States, okay? There's going to be people fighting and violence in the streets if that happens. But thankfully, it won't happen because sane people will win. And in fact, it doesn't even matter because Biden won fair and square. So we're kind of back where we started here. So maybe this is kind of where we can wrap it up. But basically, <laughs> Biden won the election in a free and fair democratic process. And there is no way that Trump is going to, win, going to be reelected. In fact, he lost already. He just hasn't conceded. And it's the media is just reporting the facts like they always do and includes Fox News. Fox News called the election for Biden. OK, that's it. Well, wait a second, though, because Fox News called Arizona for Biden and that wasn't true. Arizona is in a recount, basically. It was but, true because they caught, he, he hasn't, Crump didn't win Arizona. Fox News. Biden won Arizona. The vice president of Fox News is Joe Biden's former chief of staff. <laughs> so now after years of supporting Trump, you think Fox News is in on the conspiracy? I support Trump and, and Fox News like it's the MLB all. I no, I'm saying Fox Biden. News has supported Trump for four years straight. And now you're saying that they're in on some conspiracy against Trump? They're just well, doing their job, I thank just, God. All I said was that's a fact. That's obviously a conflict of interest. You know, if Pompeo went to go work for CNN, wouldn't you be like, well, that's kind of weird. I like you know it. I mean? I, you know, Joe is like a master speculator, yo. I love, I, you know, it's, it's just kind of like everything is up for speculation. There's not one thing. There's not one fucking thing that isn't up for speculation, Joe. Kind of, I right? Want, I want to put this out, though. Yeah. I want to put this out because... And I think it's a very, very, very important topic. Check. Mm -hmm. You just talked about there's going to be a civil war, right? If Trump steals the election, if Trump tries to steal the election. Yeah. OK. I, it's so important because this is the way you perceive it. And that's OK that you perceive it and you believe it and whatever you want to say. It might be true. It might not be true. But whatever it is, you perceive it to be the truth, right? The perception of truth. Now, I want you to just try and step into somebody that believes that Trump was had the election stolen from him. OK, now, wait, I'll, I'll give you as much time as you want as soon as I get done. 
What happened on November 3rd for those people? They believe that the election was stolen from them, right? That's their perception, right? So they feel shortchanged. They feel like their vote didn't matter because in their heads, they think, oh, Dominion stole it and the poll watchers and all this stuff. They think that, right? Now, you're saying there's going to be a civil war, but what happened? Trump voters didn't go burn down the country. They didn't do that. But you're saying that they will vote. Your side will burn down the country if Trump is sworn into office. They're not. They're not. They're not, all the states that Trump won. They're OK. OK. All the states that Trump won, according to those people, all the states that Trump won. That's OK. The other thing is that the Democrats actually they won the presidency, but they actually lost other things. They lost seats in the House and they lost a number of important Senate races, as you probably know, that Mitch McConnell got reelected. And Lindsey Graham, two of the worst Americans in the world, in my opinion, they got reelected. So basically, it's like there was fraud, but only in the parts that we don't like. Like there was there were fraud, the part where the, where the states where Trump won. Oh, yeah, there's no fraud there. There's only fraud in the states that Biden won. And then within those states that Biden won, there's only fraud in the presidential part, but not on the state Senate, not on the senators and not on the congressmen. That part was good. It's like there's no logic. That's why these lawsuits are all failing. That's why there's one win and 25 losses as of the time we're taping this, this podcast. The lawsuits are going to fail. It's frivolous. It's bullshit. They're going to fail. Biden's going to get reelected. And unfortunately, just like Democrats had to swallow Trump for four years, the, the pendulum swung the other way. Now the, the Republicans are going to have to accept Biden. And the truth is, let me tell you, it's actually not that bad because Biden is a moderate. He cares about America. He cares about making America great. He really does. So he's going to work with the Republicans like he always has. Biden was a senator for decades. He understands how to work with the other side. Trump doesn't. Okay. So Biden is actually going to be good for our country in terms of bringing people together, which is what we want. The, the, the people on the right are saying that the, the, the election was stolen from Trump. That's the way that they perceive things, right? They're pissed off and they see, you know, Joe Biden is declared the winner by the media. And then he's got a, a office of president elect banner behind him, but it doesn't even exist. He just invented that shit. There's no office of president elect. That's a fabrication. Well, so if you're, if you're a real big Trump supporter, I mean, like you go in and you're like, okay, the election was just stolen from us. The media stole it from us. That's your perception. They're wrong. Wouldn't, I mean, they're just wrong. Like, wouldn't you be like, oh, let's burn the shit down. But they don't do that. They're not doing that. Wait, let me, let me, wait, in comparison to what? In, in, in comparison to liberals and Democrats who were protesting? No, no, no. no I'm not talking about George Floyd or, or any of that stuff. I'm so talking then what about, are you talking about? Like, what, I'm talking who would, about what, well, Shecky said. Yeah. He said, if Trump is elected or sworn in, mm-hmm. Shecky said, there's going to be a civil war. Right. That's what I was referring to. And I'm talking about the contrast between each side. Well, we're starting to see elements of it right now. We're starting to see the Proud Boys, right? And we're starting to see, you know, Trump supporters going out there. And we're, we're starting to see them in D.C., you know? It, it, it's, it, it's starting to happen. So if, if just because it didn't happen on November 3rd, that day, you know, doesn't mean that it's it's not going to evolve and get worse. 
because but it's see, starting to get worse. They, but they won't get there because he's not going to win. And even prominent Republicans like Adelson, who's the biggest donor, he's the guy that owns the Venetian. He's the biggest Republican in the world in America. He's the guy that finances almost all of the Republican activities. And he's his paper, as I put on Twitter recently, had an editorial that basically said there is no evidence that fraud costs Mr. Trump the election, no matter how much the president tweets the opposite and supporters wish it is so. Da 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 da. He would remain well behind Mr. Biden in Nevada, even if the blah blah blah. Basically, there was no evidence whatsoever to support this allegation of fraud. It's completely made up because Trump is too much, as I said earlier, of a sore loser to accept the reality. And this is where we are. And it's, it's terrible that the presidential office has been dragged into this dirt and mud like this. And the dignity that we once saw that, you, you may be right about that, that there's no official office of the president elect, but there is an official office of the president. And when you see the president of the United States engage in this kind of just lies and nonsense, it, it, it's, it's the worst thing for America. It's the worst thing for America. And this is kind of where we started this conversation. And it's like, I still feel that way. It's, it's just like, it's Joe, a t- it's a sad, it's a sad time. Joe, do you approve of how Trump, you know, kind of speaks in public recklessly as he does? Do you approve of that? Before I answer that, I want to say that if you are a, a Trump supporter and you, you don't want these lockdowns anymore. You don't want a mandatory vaccine for everything you're going to do in your life. You view America first, which are three things that I support. Then if you're voting on a Dominion voting machine and you can see that it's obviously a massive conflict of interest and people from Dominion itself are signing sworn affidavits, that's something. That's not nothing. That's not some QAnon shit. That's it real. Is. That's no, it's, it's, it's and, fantasy. And I'd say let's let it play out in court and find out the evidence. Because the, the worst thing for democracy possible is that your vote doesn't count. You, you get on a voting machine and the voting machine is rigged with some software and owned by some people like Soros or whoever else. Here we go. It's the same. We're going in circles. It's like they why aren't they questioning the states where trump won they're only questioning the states where trump lost dominion was used in some of the states that trump won it wasn't just in the states that trump lost i mean it's like it doesn't make sense you're saying like these the only thing we're questioning is the presidential election in certain states when in those same states the democrats gave up seats the democrats did sweep there was not a blue sweep biden won and then actually republicans gained ground in the house and the Senate is still a toss-up. As everyone knows, Georgia is going to decide control of the Senate pretty soon. So basically, we're in a very unique place. And, you know, but the point is that no matter how much you keep believing that, like, there's fraud, even people like Adelson know that there isn't. So, like, if Adelson, a guy that's supporting the Republicans for decades and is one of the most prominent Republicans in, the, in America, it says that there's no fraud, who are you going to believe? I mean... Who has to say it before you believe it? I guess Trump himself. And he's I, never going to say it. What, I believe uh, <laughs> I believe somebody that worked at Dominion. I believe Democrats that are signing affidavits in Detroit. Democrats that are saying there's some fucked up shit that happened here. And Republicans are also saying that there wasn't. 
So it's like there's why well, you don't. What do you want to do? You know, Pennsylvania, same thing. Democrats are swearing, signing sworn affidavits saying there's messed up shit that happened. Let's okay, go. Said, we'll see. We'll see how the cases go. But right now, Trump is losing one win and 25 losses in court. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how the cases go. But it's looking pretty bad for that side of the argument. Look, that, if, if he loses those cases and the, and the Supreme Court says, yeah, you know, you lost, then he should absolutely 100% concede because then the legal process has been finished. Finally. Should, okay. Finally. Absolutely honored the tradition of conceding at that point. But I think. Finally. That, okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We got somewhere. Okay, great. <laughs> great. We got to the ending point. Jesus. <laughs> I only agree. <laughs> hey, yo, Joe, going back to my question. Do you approve of, of you know, the way Trump speaks and, and what he says? I, I don't think he's a very polished speaker. I, I think sometimes I think I agree with what he's saying. Uh, I, you know, he's not polished. He, but that's what people should also appreciate because we got these people that have been doing the same shit for decades. But I, I, I voted for Bush. I voted for Obama. My, my politics changed, but then I'm, I'm looking at it like, well, Obama started like seven wars. Trump didn't start wars. He's ending wars. He wants to open the country. Yeah. I say yeah. Mexicans are rapists. That's how you open the country, by calling all Mexicans rapists. You don't necessarily believe that, right, Joe? It does. I mean, it is, that's the toughest part about all this. The media spins so much shit, and you, you talk about bleach. That's not accurate. You talk about Trump said all Mexicans are, ra are uh, rapists. That's not accurate. That's not true. You got to look exactly what he said. He was talking about MS-13 gang members at the border that are raping people. They are raping people. And they're trafficking people. Coyotes. You know what a coyote is? Coyote, yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, they take people and they say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the parent of this child. They just fake it. Mm -hmm. They just fake it just to get across. Well, the hey, Joe, That's hey, what, hey, Joe I mean? wait, 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 Joe. So you're, you know, you know, you do the research and you're intelligent enough to distinguish what you, you can decipher what Trump is saying. Right. But I, sometimes wait, wait. again, sometimes I think he says dumb shit. Okay. So then, and, and so my, my thing is there's a lot of people who are taking what he says at face value. Do you understand what I'm saying? And yeah. And they're and that's really dangerous because he's the president of the United States. Why did you want to vote for him? Just because he he agreed with you on he wanted to open up the country? Was that one of the main factors? Well, again, you know, there's before I get there again because there's so much like injection of, of racism in when it comes to Trump, right? Right. That's be like yes. number one issue. Like he's a racist, well, right? You know, it's I was gonna. This is the thing: is that you on Twitter, right? You've yeah. been called a racist, a bigot, a, a Nazi. Nazi. They a call Nazi. me a Nazi, bro. They, they called you a Nazi. Joe Mazzi. They call they, you, yeah, Joe oh. Mazzi. They call you a white nationalist. They call you all of these things, you know? And do you identify with any of those terms at all? Bro, it's absurd to make that assertion. The same way that it's absurd to keep asking Trump if he'll denounce white supremacy. The guy's denounced it like 38 times since the year 2000. The reason they ask him that is to inject it into your mind so you keep associating him with racism. Okay, wait, it's wait, wait. I, let, me, let me just moderate for a second, okay? I'm going to moderate. Ahead. So, Sheck, do you identify any of those terms with Joe? 
a racist, bigot, Nazi, fascist, white nationalist, conspiracy theorist, anti-masker, or Trump apologist. Right. Well, I'm the one that said Trump apologist. Yes. That's actually accurate. A Trump yes. apologist, by that I meant someone that makes excuses for the things Trump does. So the, of that list, the only thing that I think that's what I said of Joe mm-hmm. is that he makes excuses for the things Trump does. Other than that, I think that the issue, as I said, is that Joe is often retweeting or sharing information that comes from people that do fall in those categories. Mm -hmm. So I think there are white supremacists and Nazis putting information out there that Joe, whether he's aware of it or not, is retweeting and sharing. So I don't think that Joe has ever personally said these things, but just by retweeting it by association, he's walking a fine line that, that makes a lot of people think. And that's why those those ideas about Joe have gotten out there. Joe, and a lot of people have more extreme views than me, but I'm just saying like, that's, that's why that opinion is out there is because some of the information he shared is linked to people like that. So Joe, I want yeah. you to respond, but I want to ask questions to Neva and D and Jamie. What is your interpretation of someone who votes for Trump? Do you think that if someone votes for Trump, they are racist? What about little Wayne? I'm about to say that. It's, I don't think everybody that's voting for Trump is a racist. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. What like about I you? Just like 50 Cent. I don't know if he was trolling or whatever, but he said he voted for Trump. He was probably trolling, but yeah. Yeah, he was trolling. Yeah. yeah. But no, I don't think everyone that votes for Trump is a racist. Okay. My Not every is, conservative is a racist, but every racist is a conservative, okay? That's my perspective truth. has changed, and I, I think I tried to correlate it to religion because I, I believe in Christianity, and there's a lot of sh- foul shit that goes on in the Catholic Church. And that doesn't mean that all Catholic priests are rapists and or molesters or whatever. But I still believe in Christianity and I believe in God. And so do they. So someone could look at me and say, how can you believe in Christianity when all this foul shit's going on? That doesn't make me a bad person. So I, I had to take my feelings aside from that and look at the Trump situation the same way. So so, Joe, you know, from these answers, right, do you understand how someone could label a Trump supporter as a racist do you understand how that could happen uh the way i perceive that happening is because the media has injected so much misinformation into people's heads and taking clips out of context and if you look at the vote that just happened he had more of the minority vote than any republican since 1960 mm-hmm I had like 45% of the Cuban vote, I think, in Miami. Shecky, you were tweeting something about the Midwest, and I think the black vote was high, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true that Trump attracted, and it's, it's a very curious thing. He did attract more minority vote than he did uh, than last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, now what people are on my side of things are crediting that to is that it's like that masculinity kind of like Trump is the vote for like kind of the macho vote. And that appeals to some, some people of various ethnicities. And listen, there are Republicans of every ethnicity. There's black Republicans, Spanish Republicans, Asian Republicans, Jewish Republicans, everything. Okay. Like there's always been that that's not new. You can't expect any one ethnic group to vote one way. And, and that's one of the problems, you know, in, even in the Democratic Party, is that a lot of assumptions are made about always getting the black vote and stuff like that. And we don't, you know, we Democrats don't always handle that the right way. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as I said, like, not every conservative is a racist, 
but every racist is a conservative. So basically, if you look at all those people out there that are saying that, you know, and there's been hundreds and thousands of videos of racist people spread on Twitter and Facebook, just like there's Antifa videos spread. And that's the era we're in now. It's like people find the most extreme cases and it gets amplified by whoever wants to amplify it. So we all are fed these very extreme cases on the right and the left. And as a result, there's chaos and divisiveness. And I don't want that. I want people to come together. I really do. Mm -hmm. But I also think the only way we can come together is to be truthful. We can't come together around lies and fantasy. We can come together around reality, you know, and I think Biden will be part of that solution. But yeah, along the way, you know, there's a lot of racist people out there still in America. There's a lot of racism in America and it's a big problem. And almost all of them are Trump supporters. And that doesn't mean every Trump supporter is, but all the racists are almost always wearing the red yep. hat. I don't think that's accurate. And I think it's ridiculous to make that assumption. It's absurd. And I think if you, if you look at Biden, he has a very troubling history himself. He's got a comment where he talked about his kids. He didn't want them growing up in a racial jungle. He, sec- he separate or, um, uh, supported a segregationist. He said, if you ain't black, you, know, you ain't, uh, if you don't vote Biden, you ain't black. He talked about, um, you know, <laughs> what do you say about poor kids and white kids? I'm getting tired now at this point. Poor kids can, can be just as bright as white kids or some shit like that. This guy's made crazy comments for years about, about racism. He, he eulogized a, a KKK member, Robert Byrd, in 2010. I mean, to talk about race and Joe Biden... He's got his own issues with, with race. You don't, can you not agree to that? Don't you think that's fair to say? I mean, I think that he has worked with, he's been a friend to the African-American community for decades, and that is shown by the amount that support him. He's named a woman of color to be his vice president. Um, you know, he has done a tremendous amount. Has he sometimes said weird things in the past and done weird things? Yes. Is he my ideal candidate? No. I think a lot of Democrats would have preferred somebody else to be honest in that position. But he was the guy that won. He had one job and he did it. His job was to beat Trump. He did it. So that was it. Like that was what we needed. We needed to get Trump out. Biden did the job. Is he the ideal person for the future of the Democratic Party? Absolutely not. There's a lot of other people waiting in the wings that are younger, have better values in terms of like being identified with where the party is, like the more progressive wing of the party. But Biden is a moderate. He's old school. He's, you know, he's got baggage because anyone that's been around for as long as he does has baggage. Um, but what, 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 what do you, I, let me ask you this. What do you like about Biden? Like, what's your favorite accomplishments about Biden? He's not Trump. That's what <laughs> so, I like. I figured you'd say that. I that's my favorite thing about him, that any warm body other than Donald Trump is good with me. <laughs> any, any sentient being. Any, 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 put a fucking lizard in that seat. Any, <laughs> any living thing other than Trump. Anything other than, so, so I mean, that I'm kind of being facetious, but that's truly how I feel. It's like, I, but also I always liked him. I mean, like I said, he's not my, he wasn't my, I didn't vote for him in the, in the, in the primary. I voted for him in the main election, but I didn't vote for him in the primary. I voted for Andrew Yang, if you're, if you're curious. Mm. 
Um, I thought he was the one with the most interesting ideas. Yep. You know, but he was, you know, he wasn't ready. Joe, I got a question. So, you know, we, we, we talked about if you vote for Trump, you know, are you a racist? And then on Twitter, you're just attacked. You know, everyone calls you, you know, Nazi or racist and all of these things. That a lot of the, it's mostly the DJ community, of course, right? Yeah. It's, it, what it is is the extreme left. You know, there, I talked to thousands of DJs since March. There, a lot of people are mutual friends of you guys. Mm-hmm. They are Trump supporters. There's a lot of them out there. You would be surprised, but they're they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be in the position that I am right now. Labeled as a racist. Labeled as a racist. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, called all these kind of words. And the only reason that I came out this way is because of all my research, which most of which I didn't get into. You know, this guy's talking about it's never going to be over. This guy, Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum. It's never over, bro. It's never over. But we'll get into that at a different time. Um, <laughs> Three hours is not enough. We need. <laughs> it's not enough. But, but, yeah. but the reason I came out is because I perceive uh, we're in a transformative time in history, which he talks about. What, transhumanism, the fourth industrial fourth industrial revolution, which is the merge between man and machine, which is what I think this is a lot about. Um, and I've, I, I perceive our industry is not returning until we have a vaccine. And why do we need a vaccine? It's about that. It's about transhumanism, the great reset. What do they say? They say it, by the year 2030, you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy. It's all about reshaping the earth, ending capitalism, creating a brand new system. Justin Trudeau just did a video talking about it. The Great Reset. Wow, what a what an opportunity. Here we have COVID. It's shutting down the world. What a great time. What just happened to happen. I guess we'll use this opportunity here to completely rewrite everything about humanity. That's what the bigger picture is. That's what I would love to talk about. But that's another podcast. It's so not. It's definitely not this that's, one. That's, <laughs> we don't. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. This guy's one of the most powerful people in the world. World Economic Forum chairman Klaus Schwab, one of the most powerful people in the world. And you know, it's not a joke. These guys, they meet in Davos, Switzerland, every year in January to talk about how they're going to shape global policy. People dictate our lives. These are the people behind the scenes. This guy's partner with Bill Gates and all this stuff. So that's what that's why I viewed it like, listen, I got an I got an opportunity. I got a chance to talk about this and warn my fellow humans. And in addition to that, we all are really struggling. You know, Shecky, you talk about it. You you struggling too. We're all struggling. Mm-hmm. We are all in this together. And we all have our different perceptions on what's really going on. And in my perspective and i'm gonna keep talking about it even if you guys call me a nazi or whatever not you guys but the the other the other guys Mm -hmm. my perception is we have a very short window of time to stop this Mm -hmm. before before it's completely done because we're going to enter a world where everything is on your phone everything is is an app okay there's going to be you know elon musk talked about it too Artificial intelligence. That's where we're all headed with this. You know that, right? Everything is going to be controlled. Like you go to the airport, you can't get on a plane because of something you tweeted. Social media credit scores. That's in the book. 
They're already doing that in China. If you talk bad about the government in China, you can't, you can't board a plane. Everything that is digital will all be controlled. Well, we've all seen Black Mirror. You yeah, know, it's I a very Black Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. That's Terminator. That's where Terminator. we're headed with all this. That's, that's, that's where we share a common interest. Okay? That's where we should share a common interest. This but we all still use our phone. We all know. Look, anyone that has an iPhone in their pocket knows that basically you're giving away all your data. Everything. You're giving away your location. You're giving away... Anytime you post something on the internet, you're basically exposing yourself. Anyone smart understands that, whether you're on the right or the left. That's just where we're at. I mean, you can stop tweeting. You can stop posting. You can stop sending email. You can stop using your phone. That's one way to stop, you know, some of this. That um, won't stop it, though. That's not going to stop it. I, I, so, Joe, I want to talk about Twitter and you being on Twitter and everyone calling you basically a racist, a Nazi, and all, all of these things. And it hasn't been a very... Uh, constructive exchange, right? Would you say? Would you say rarely it is, or how? What would you say? You know, I it, I don't really engage with the super crazy people that say shit like that, for the most part, unless they're people that I've known before. Mm -hmm. I won't I won't drop names, but I've had people that I've known for fifteen years that have called me a Nazi, and some of these people have threatened my life. And they won't, they won't, they won't even pick up the phone to have a, a, a conversation. Do you to be called a Nazi is just insane because like the Nazis exterminated 6 million Jews. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm a Nazi. It doesn't make any sense. You're just like lobbing a, a word out there to like get likes or get clicks or be, you know, outrageous. It doesn't, I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a racist. I got black supporting uh, Trump supporting friends, a lot of them, DJs from all over. I got Latino Trump supporting friends from all over. Mm -hmm. That doesn't yeah. make sense. People don't know me as a racist. And it's just like, it, that's what the media does, man. That's why they keep saying in every debate and in every interview, will you denounce white supremacy? They, they, it's a tactic but done by the media. It's like, if, if I go crooked, do you beat your wife? If I just say that to you mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again, it's going to ingrain into a certain amount of people's minds. No, it's you not because Trump people. said both sides. You're going to be a credit to the racists. He said, oh, there's fine people on both sides. And the people on one side were screaming racist shit. Well, so that's why. Let's adjust that. You're talking about Charlottesville, August. Yeah. 17. Yes. That's a clip. You got to go to the full clip. Go to that whole interview because that right there, my friend, what you just said right there about Charlottesville, that's a blatant lie. He talks it right in the same interview and he says, and I'm not talking about the white supremacists or the neo-Nazis because they should be condemned totally. And see, that's what the media does to people. And then Jeff, people run with I mean, it. Um run with that i don't think that you've ever come out and said something like racist or or white supremacist but mm -hmm. like you're sh like as crooked the point crooked is making is that you are trafficking in some of those ideas maybe without even realizing it or maybe you do realize it i don't know and it's that's what causes this perception and i i i, I try to be very sensitive about this because it's really a lot to accuse someone of being a racist you know i i get that you know what i mean i'm not gonna i don't say that loosely and i haven't said it about you you know, but it's like, 
it's just very, this is a very sensitive issue in America. And the truth is that racism is still an issue in America. You know, the George Floyd thing brought that out all over again. And it wasn't, it never went away. Those deep seated, America is built on a race problem. Okay. America was built, the, the issue of slavery was the most important issue in American history. Okay. And, and like that has never gone away. It's still with us today. I mean, I'm not saying that we have slavery today, but the ramifications of the slavery era are still with us today. And unfortunately, and it sucks that we have not entered that. Now, look, we have tons of successful people of all races and all ethnicities. And these days, thank God, the younger generation doesn't have those same perceptions. It's like if a, for my son, if he sees, you know, a black doctor or an Asian teacher or whatever it may be, it's like they accept it because it's just normal for them, you know, but like some of us who are older, especially older than us, like people in their 60s and 70s, they're still kind of in that mindset. And, and it, it sucks about America, but the race problem has not gone away. And unfortunately, one of the ramifications of the Trump era is that some people, and I'm not saying every Trump supporter, but a certain segment of the more extreme side have found this as a way, have used this as an excuse to kind of come out and be like, hey, I don't care anymore, you know? I'm going to just say it. And unfortunately, the Trump era has only magnified and exacerbated those problems. It hasn't solved it. It hasn't. That's one of the big things that Biden has to do now is to kind of claw back all of those gains that were lost under the Obama era. You know, I mean, Obama wasn't perfect either, but he certainly brought people together. And, and Trump did the opposite. Well, that's one way of perceiving things. I don't agree with it. I think the media has divided us. I think the media has imprinted these false narratives into our brains and it's worked for some people, but it's not worked for everybody. 74 million or 73 million people voted for Trump. There's not all white supremacists. They're not all Nazis. Mm -hmm. All that is horseshit. That's, that's a slide. Yes. There are going to be some crazy people out there, you know, in small groups that are like with their Confederate flags and doing crazy shit. Yeah. That's going to happen. That's going to happen on the Democrat side, too. That, that just, you know, how can you ever control that? You can't. It, that's going to happen. But to say that everybody that supports Trump is a racist is completely absurd. But no one crazy. here said that. I don't think, Crooked, you didn't say that, right? Well, I mean, we've been talking no. about it so much, and, it, and I just feel like. I just think, I think there is a group of people out there. You know, there's, yeah. there are people out there that believe that. I think all of us had friends that, you know, hit us up like, what are you doing? Why are you giving yeah. a platform to a racist, a fascist, a Nazi, you know? Yeah. Like he's only going to spread lies. He's right. He's going to he's going to. And then everyone was hitting uh, us up. So that's why, you know, Joe, this this is why I'm bringing it up. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm bringing it up because that is the interpretation of the outside. In yeah. our, but in our DJ community, in our small DJ community, you know what I'm saying? You are the villain. That is the interpretation. To them. They don't represent the whole community. They, they represent a small faction of the community. Well, That's I think it's the other way around. I think you represent... Uh, there are other people that believe you, but it's a small minority compared to... That's your perception. Most, most DJs are on the other side, I, I, I believe. I know a lot of DJs. I mean, I'm not saying they're all liberals, but the majority yeah. are. Yeah, but, but your perception is that 
everybody agrees. You know, these guys that are, that are hitting you up trying to silence me, that doesn't represent the DJ community. The people that, you know, I don't remember the name of the guy that he was actually like trying to get a campaign together to not even have me on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, it's like he wanted to pull our sponsorships. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> that is insane. He wanted to take That's money it. out of DJ's pockets. Who? Yeah, out of our pockets during and a, during a pandemic. Yeah. At a time where you need the most. Have I said anything today that has been, you know, anything near a Nazi, a white supremacist, or any of this stuff? The one, the the one thing that I do want to question you, Joe, is that when people come at you and. Fair enough. Everybody has an opinion and, and not everybody's going to agree, but there's this thing that you kind of do where you kind of get too personal with somebody and you attack them and you, and you bring shit that to light that nobody else should know about this person, but you bring it up. Why do you, why is, why do you do that? If we're talking about, you know, why pineapple doesn't go on pizza, that's fine. But you, if we don't agree and it gets to a certain ex, uh, a climax of an argument, why do you bring personal shit to the light? For example, you and him had an argument. I thought it was He did that too. <laughs> but, but why do you do the personal shit if we're talking about a certain topic? Why did you get personal with it? Well, that's my question. Because yeah. as much as you want to open up the country and get everybody work again, you kind of fucking dirt money up too. Well, hold on a second though, because you got to start from the start. Okay. I, I I had tweeted something to the effect of it's not smart to argue with people that are irrational. Something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. And when I woke up, this this guy was like sharing all this personal information about me. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about him when I tweeted that. Okay. And somehow somehow that tweet offended him. I said, don't, you know, don't argue with irrational people. There's, it makes no sense. That was my tweet. I wake up and he had commented on my stuff and he was, he was like sharing all this private information that we had discussed as like some sort of way to damage my reputation. Okay. And so that's the, that's the true story. So that is when I went and dropped a nuke. It, that, that's, that's the truth of how it went down. And I, and I, we, I called him. I call him on the phone mm-hmm. and he was so upset that I had shared that information. The reason I shared that information is because first of all, he attacked me and he dropped very personal information about me first and foremost. He did that first. Okay. And that was my response to him, I probably shouldn't have done it. Truthfully. I, I wish I wouldn't have because okay. I, I feel, I feel, I feel bad for his situation, but I shouldn't have done it. And I had a conversation with him and I said, Listen, I, you know, I, I didn't want it to come to that, but if you're going to drop personal information about me, that's that I'm going to drop personal information about you. And I said, let's just agree to both delete it. And we agreed on deleting it. Now, you know, this guy, like, I don't know, I, I, calls me a Nazi and he won't answer his phone. Mm-hmm. This, guy, this guy calls me a Nazi. I'm serious. Like, there's something not right there, dude. Something not right. Got why, it. Why am I in his head so much? And, and if I am in your head, then why not just pick up the phone? Let's have a conversation. You're really mad at me. We could do what we're doing right now. We, I, I feel like this is like therapy. This is what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? Like we're, we, we, we very much oppose each other, but it feels a lot more like human than Twitter, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. There's a lot more empathy here. I feel like we're, well, I feel like we are at least discussing these things in a healthy manner, but like this Twitter stuff where people just are like, like you say, playing kickball, dropping these crazy, like, Oh, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist, all this shit. It's so unhealthy. I don't find it. I don't, I don't find it productive at all. I don't find it. Uh, I think it's creating more division. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, also a little, um, I don't know. I like, I feel like it's some pussy ass shit. I feel like it's the bitch ass way of doing shit that if I have a problem with somebody and I sneak this motherfuckers on, on, on tweets and I don't say their name, it's just kind of like, then why the fuck are you going to tweet it out? And just like this dude who tried, who started a campaign against us, right? Yeah. Um, this is a dude that I actually helped. I think Jamie actually helped last year. Fuck. And and yeah. he and he actually used every outlet not to talk to us directly. Went to DJ City, bragged about talking about the higher ups, about pulling our sponsorship. You know what I'm saying? When he could have called us directly. Also, I have voiced my concerns to uh, the higher ups at DJ City. Um, I respect their decision to not pull the podcast or sponsorship or whatever. Um, it's not the decision that I would have made, but, you know, that's something that's outside my control. I've voiced my concerns to the powers that be. Um, I've said all I could say. I've done all I could do. Road podcast. I think you owe it to yourselves and the DJ community to do better. So I think a lot of it is self-serving. And a lot of the people that were judging us and uh, basically voicing their disapproval of having you on the show, you know, they were they were saying a lot of a lot of shit that they could have hit us up personally for. Yeah. Some of these guys. Yeah. Never you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They going on Twitter talking all this shit instead of calling us personally. Right. To to view their opinion. But they didn't do that. Instead, they'd rather go on social media. And kind of shit on us by having you on the podcast. But in in retrospect, there were a lot of close friends of mine and people that I respect and care about that hit me directly, you know, in retrospect, which I appreciated respect. very much. Respect. So my only my only thing is that moving forward, you know, I, I would as much as everyone disapproved of this kind of form that we created for for you and Shecky. I'm in real support of it. I think motherfuckers should talk one on one a little bit more, and yeah. and 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 you know, and not do that pussy shit where they just like throw, you know, throw some shit, talk some shit, and then walk away like there's no aftermath to that. Like it's not, mm. it's not fucking up somebody's day or insulting somebody or destroying their reputation at all. Do you know what I'm saying? This shit is harmful. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm what I'm trying to tell people is that you know you shouldn't be disapproving of a of a form like this because it's way more constructive than what you guys are doing on Twitter. You know, you're not really you're not really finding any type of common ground, and you're like, well, I don't want to find any common ground with these people or that. When you're just kind of staying in your your own little wormhole, and you're just kind of you're only accepting the information that you know these platform algorithms are sending you. And before you know it, you become, you know, even more disconnected. You know, and then you be, you become what you hate. Yeah, but but That's Joe, I would I would say that you know, in in all your speculation and ideas and everything that you do, I would just, I would like you to kind of move forward with a little bit more responsibility sometimes. And I don't I don't mind you speculating. I don't mind you questioning shit. I just 
sometimes it does seem a little manic and reckless because it's just going out and it's 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 not all nice and it's not all curiousness. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of it, there's an arrogance sometimes with it. Something, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. And and I feel like I I feel like you have every right to do whatever you want on your platform, but at the same time, when you do it that way, you're gonna accept some of the negative back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, they they're trying to tell us that Thanksgiving and Christmas is canceled, so I did say go fuck yourself. <laughs> Give the man his mashed potatoes. <laughs> you know, and you know what and Joe, like, you know, guys like me and Neva, we're hurting. You know, like we, we haven't seen our family in almost a year, you know? Like yeah. we're we're really hurting, you know? And um I just I, Yeah. And it, I want to say the come Christmas coming up. Yeah, uh, I thought we were gonna be able to see them for the holidays. Yeah, so I won't. I won't probably see my family till 2021. Yeah, and you know, never. I had conversations with Never, and Never was like, you know, I- I'm gonna fly out there, you know, and and really wasn't really thinking about the ramifications of his actions. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He was really thinking out of emotion. I w- I would say because it's all your perception. What what if what I'm saying yes. is right? What we're doing is it's not human. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of each other. Okay? That's my main gripe with all this stuff. Not only is like the DJ community being affected, but we're being taught and conditioned to be afraid of each other. Mm-hmm. And that, that that you know, to hear that you don't want to go see your family because you're afraid of, you know, what the ramifications are of that is like that's so sad to me. It's so sad to me because our parents could die. You know, my, my parents could die like tomorrow. That could happen. And, and, and I don't want to be in a position where I'm saying, well, you know, my, my dad might have like comorbidities or he might have susceptibility to, to the virus. And I say, well, I'll just wait till there's a vaccine. We could be waiting forever, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to live that way. That's just me. And I don't want to see other humans live that way. And I don't want to see children growing up in like this plexiglass mask wearing six foot distance dystopia forever. And you, if you have Fauci saying, even with the vaccine, the masks and the, and the social distancing stay, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I think we got to live at some point. We have to just live with the virus. Yes. We have to, to, to protect our elderly and our vulnerable, but we have to be human. And this is what we're doing is not human. Yes, it is. It's actually the opposite. Of, I, I, I'm not, not going against every single thing you said, but, but particularly on that point, protecting each other is the most human thing. Mm-hmm. The most human thing we can do for each other is as, as the example Crooked used earlier, you walk on an elevator, I put my mask on, he puts his mask on. We're showing each other that we care. That's human. Humanity is caring about other humans. And I feel like that's been one of the core problems. It's like the anti-mask movement is about, it seems to us who are okay with wearing masks, that it's about selfishness. And it's about like, no, I don't want to do it. So I'm not going to do it. And I don't care what you say. And I don't care about science. I don't care about any of that. And of course you can get into the weeds and nitpick all the arguments. But the bottom line is like, I actually think that we all have to face the reality that we're in a fucked up situation with this virus and yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be bad until it's not. And we will, we will return to normal. We will have clubs again. We will have DJs again. 
we will have all these live events again and like we'll be we'll get there but you know a lot of people are hurting a lot of people i mean we've talked about this already here but you know the, the place that we need help is if the government's going to do something they need to help the hospitality entertainment world and do something there because that's but that being said i don't believe that it's anti-human to care to wear a mask i think it's like actually the opposite that's my opinion um yo shecky joe uh thanks for coming through man um i i don't know if we if we got to any type of common ground we got a little bit a little bit little something i think we got you know we got we got as much as we're gonna get right now <laughs> it felt very healthy to me honestly it felt very therapeutic and I, i'm very happy to see all you guys and just chat with you guys for three and a half yeah. hours whether yeah. we agree or not it just feels good to be around you guys so thank you yeah no worries man i appreciate you making the time both sides yeah shecky thanks uh thanks for coming through and uh, making the time from taiwan man appreciate it man yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i'll do it anytime man i mean um you know, it, it, this is a good exercise. And I was the people that thought that this was going to be a bad idea don't understand how the media works and they don't understand that this is part of free speech. You know, mm-hmm. free speech is exactly. airing out opinions. And if you feel a certain way, then you have to present your argument better. That's what I tried to do today. And that's what anybody who disagrees about something. You don't shut down the other person. You actually try to speak louder and argue better. And that's how America works. America's about that. That's what, that's how we get to an answer. Nice. And, and then, uh, you know, so that's why I, I did this today and I'm glad I did. Wow. That's the common ground. There you go. That's the there common go. ground. There you go. <laughs> 100% agree with what Shecky just said. Nice. All right, guys. Oh, yeah, that's a better way to end it. Nice. Wow. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> Touchdown. All right, y'all. So if you want to watch this video on YouTube, you know, you can go to youtube.com slash road podcast. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. We post uh, new episodes every Thursday. And every Friday, we've been posting our Sunday battles. Uh, I think this Friday will be Sean Paul versus Daddy Yankee. Uh, we did a lot of work to edit that shit up and, and post it. And, um, you know, check us out on twitch.tv slash road podcast. Every Sunday we got our battles. And every Tuesdays we got road Tuesdays. I think Deva has spun this week. And next week will be DJ D Miles. And, um, guys, thank you once again. Appreciate y'all for coming through. Yes. And, uh, yeah, awesome, man. man. I'll, I'll see you maybe in uh, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace, man. Peace. Peace. Peace.